Robin William bids good morning to Vietnam, the greatest movies of 1997, and we drink your milkshake. We drink it up! This week and more on 302010. 2010. I feel like there are two dozen Oscar nominees in our 1997 segment. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to your pop culture time machine, 302010, where you look back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into this week of pop culture news and history. We are looking at December 22nd through the 28th, 1987, 1997, and 2007. Where were you? We'll tell you where we were. Hi, I'm Chris Antista. Who else is with us? Clownpenis.Matthew J. <laughs> Clownpenis.Fart? It's, is that coming? Oh, great. It's a weird reason to play the clip, but we're Oh, we're wonderful. And who else is with us? Um, the eighth Spice Girl, Diana Goodman. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 97 is so weird. Uh, but yes, we're going to be talking about a, a, a bunch of Oscar nominees, one of the best movies of the 07s, I think. Uh, but of course, we have to start, as we always do, with 1987. Are talking about December twenty second through the twenty eighth. Uh, what is there any? There's no new. The most notable news right now is that Leonard Nimoy's Three Minute Baby is number one at the box office. Yep. It bounced <laughs> I back. Say, I will say, but this is this is like uh, it's going to be really interesting. I don't know what year it was exactly when Christmas became the time where they release Oscar movies, like the biggest, like everything. Where it became where the new summer, everything. But it wasn't nineteen eighty seven. <laughs> it definitely wasn't eighty seven. Uh, holy shit, because this, this week is not very good. The Lonely Passion of Judith Hearn with Maggie Smith and Bob Hoskins. Yep. This is that sounds... the most British title ever? Holy, The Lonely Passion? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very British couple of people. It's, a, it, it really it's a lonely is. passion. Yes. That's a dame and a Mario. You know there's going to be a point where it's like, oh, I love you so terribly. Do you? Do you, Ray? <laughs> How British am I? No. Um, I also quite... Feel affection for y'all. See, I, I shouldn't say that. One of my favorites. I'm not. I'm making fun of it. It's actually not about up, <laughs> super upper, upper class people. But yeah, I mean, it's about like British people. What am I? I forgot, barely I, falling in love. I glossed later over it because of how big '97 is. What was my favorite Spielberg movie is this year too. Hang on a second, people, because <gasps> we got to mention Pele the Conqueror with Max von Sydow. Pele the Conqueror. Pele the Conqueror. Yeah, it's uh, soccer guy. Yes, <laughs> yes, Max von Sydow. Who was in a movie with Pele, by the way. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, he's in uh, Victory slash Escape to Victory. No shit. Yeah. The Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele soccer movie, which is really good, by the way. Max von Sydow plays an Nazi. Wait, is it, did it go by two titles or is that a movie and a sequel? No, it's, it goes by two titles. In America, it's called Victory and everywhere else it's called Escape to Victory. Okay. Uh, But no, it's Pele the Conqueror. uh, It won a can. It won the foreign film Oscar uh, about Max von Sydow. Um, and immigrants from Sweden to Denmark, I think, in like the 1850s. So, you know. Whew. Yeah. I'm glad you're here to talk about this because I can talk too long about one of my least favorite things of all time. I and mean, when I think about my grandma, I'm thinking right now I needed to apologize to her for taking her to this movie right here. Yes! Filmation proudly presents... Coming towards me through the moonlight was a band of uh, pirates. 
Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. I'm a real live boy again. Ooh. Yeah. That, Ooh. that looks terrible, but it looks pretty good for filmation. For filmation, the makers of He-Man and the some of the terrible Batman cartoons. Yeah, like it is. It is. It is almost an exaggeration to call that animation. Because <laughs> when you know you see those Geico ads with He-Man in it, yeah, and like you're the try- most HD it's ever looked. You're trying yeah. to be authentic, but this looks more animated than any episode of He-Man ever. It looks like robot chicken. You're trying your best to look cheap, and it's still not accurate to what He-Man really was. <laughs> uh, but that's the filmation people making. I think this is their first movie, Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Very irritating. I'm going to theorize real fast. This is one of the reasons Disney started making sequels uh, straight mm. to video and to their modern movies. People are chiefing our steez by making public domain movies That's that right. we made already. Because good, mm-hmm. like, remember good, that Good Times label that would make just yeah. Here's our Little Mermaid. Came out with yeah. It's, it's this Little Mermaid. Yeah. Don't no pay to see it in theater. Watch our Little Mermaid. We can we made our own version. But Filmation started out by making unofficial but direct sequels. To Disney adaptations, they had a happily ever after, like Snow White two, mm-hmm. and this is Pinocchio, Emperor of the Night. I my, my poor grandma had to see this with me. The one good thing it does, whenever I do a Jiminy Cricket impression, I'm essentially doing um, Don Knotts. Oh, and uh, that's good casting. Yeah, because so, Don Knotts, because Jiminy Cricket sounds like Don Knotts, so this movie cast Don Knotts as Jim, not Jiminy Cricket. Right. G. Willikers. Ah. G. Willikers is not a cricket. He's a firefly. It, uh-huh. But it follows up on the events of what Disney made of Pinocchio because that's the big distinction. Jiminy, or Jiminy Cricket is murdered by Pinocchio in his when he debuts in the book. Okay. Disney made him into a constant guide in conscience. Uh, that's 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 Disney's Jim like that's Disney's contribution to Pinocchio. They made Jiminy Cricket a full side character mm-hmm. and so did this movie and they made a an unofficial direct sequel to the Disney classic and it did not stand the test of time it's never been on DVD Ooh. you can watch the whole thing free on YouTube <laughs> and who plays the Emperor of the Night James Earl Jones whoa it's got a, it's got a really impressive 87 voice cast Tom Bosley Ed Asner <laughs> uh, Frank Welker as Igor oh, a lot of people Gray, who would Liza Minnelli on, like <laughs> you're, you're naming a lot of Disney people who would just later on be in Disney movies and you'll like this the voice of Pinocchio child actor at the time uh, we're, we mentioned this briefly in Laser Time's best of the year the Orville Scott Grimes oh my god really the voice oh, wow. of Steve on American Steve Fra- Dad oh my gosh yeah that's he's, amazing he's Pinocchio in this movie that guy is so naturally his voice is so naturally funny he's funny on the Orville but anytime he screams on American Dad I, I, was, I, was, thing. I was shocked that was the same person because yeah. I think that that personification is so good. He's in also animation. a great singer. Really? Yeah. When what? he sings on American Dad, that's him. Yeah. Oh, well, and Jesus, people are going to get mad at me for talking about this that much. But I don't have a clip for Empire of the Sun because it is a quiet movie. Steven Spielberg's yep. Empire of the Sun, a fantastic movie in the debut of Christian Bale. Yep. And Wait, is it Pinocchio in the Empire of the Sun? No, Pinocchio in the Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, little baby Christian Bale. He's too. six or eight years old. It's his no, first movie. No, he's a little. He's a little older than that. But he's he, like twelve. He maybe. is in every scene of this epic, this pre-CG epic, where Spielberg is literally rebuilding World War II all around you. And sometimes this kid is the only. He doesn't talk for like minutes at a time because he's alone. It's a beautiful sequence. He is uh, English. An aristocratic dude living in Shanghai right before they get occupied. 
he gets separate, separated from his parents, so it's about this kid wandering around in World War II. Is that Spielberg's yeah. first World War II movie? Oh, 1941, yeah. so maybe. <laughs> yeah, let's count it. I feel but, like 41 doesn't really count. But it's it's beautiful. It it looks yes. so great. And Christian Bale, as this child, has to carry every single scene. John Malkovich and Ben Stiller eventually show up for a little for a little yeah, bit. Ben baby, Stiller, baby mm-hmm. Ben Stiller. Baby I think ben he's Stiller. 18, 19. Whoa, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. dressed like Eddie Munster. <laughs> he looks a lot like Eddie Munster and has not had his teeth fixed yet. So, you, yes, I, I, he'll be coming up again. This is a movie I feel like that doesn't really get made anymore. A very quiet, slow, epic. And I just, I he, a Nazi, or, no, was it Nazi? Occ- no, occ- J- Japanese. Japanese occupied Shanghai. So he goes back to his rich ass house after getting separate, looking for his parents who are gone. He loses them for years, uh, and all of his Asian servants are in this house alone and he walks in and they just slap him <laughs> and walk out of the house and like have fun asshole you're on your fucking own oh, and gosh. stumbling ass backwards into like platoons of troops in your backyard this movie well. has so many cool shots uh, yeah. it is amazing I love this film uh, I definitely recommend you see this and now I think the SEO has been taken over because there's a band called Empire of the Sun yeah. you jerks hmm. you took it from Spielberg but yeah, this, probably- uh, this is one I mean I've I think I've got. Uh, I think Sugarland Express is uh, and the BFG are the only Spielberg movies I still haven't seen. I think I finally hit all of them. So this is one I watched pretty recently. Really? Because I feel like I saw it when I was younger and I didn't remember it. And yeah, I mean there are some sequences that are just striking. It is a slow one though, mm-hmm. and it's the script is by Tom Stoppard, and I think that's part of why. Mm. Uh, you know, he's a playwright, and it's slow. But it's weird to have a playwright writing a movie because the movie is so so visual. But there are so many really good parts that I remember. I mean, there's, there's stuff about uh, where they're like in, in like a like a prison camp yep. and just across the wire, there's like guys being sent off as kamikazes. It's really, mm-hmm. really disturbing. And um, oh, Kamikaze like, pilots, witnessing kamikaze pilots who fail to kill themselves. Yeah. And, and what the, do they do? Like the one guy who's like desperately trying to get the plane mm-hmm. off the ground. He has to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And it's like Jesus, dude! Like the war's over, dude. Just, just run. There's an episode just of Curb about hide. that. There's, there's, there's a great sequence where he's just wandering alone in like a desert and just mm. stumbles upon like everything the Nazis stole. Oh yeah, this and big stadium full of everything that the, the there Japanese are no people, troops took. Just grandfather clocks, immaculate cars, and riches beyond your wildest dreams. Wow! Sitting yeah. in the middle of this war-torn area. Yeah, it's really it's a it's a forgotten Spielberg film. That, uh, it's excellent. You know, he's got a lot of really movies. I think people yeah. forget most of his movies that aren't Jaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen Tintin? Yes. Do you think it's awesome? I really like Tintin. Okay, cool. Oh, God. I can't <laughs> wait for that sequel because I feel like we're about to talk about Tintin on this show if he doesn't hurry up. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a couple years away, but yeah. The, the Peter Jackson sequel? I don't think it's happening. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, meant, I meant talking about Tintin. But perhaps show. the most enduring movie of uh, this, this period of 1987. Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me. Oh, you kids don't get any of his references anymore. <laughs> and I barely did either, but uh, this I went full circle with this one. I thought this was too much and couldn't revisit it that well. But once Robin Williams passed away, it's like, this is a really good showcase. 
yeah. it's not Williams. a super it, great movie but his yeah. performance in it is fa- that's the case of a lot of Robin Williams movies yeah. where you're yeah. like you're like you said yes to this because you like the director and he's it's gonna Barry Levinson and they, yeah. they've had yeah. a long history together um, this led to uh, them getting to make uh, I knew you were going to bring up Aladdin oh, I was going to say toys, toys. God damn it. Uh, but also Aladdin this mm-hmm. this movie led directly to Aladdin <laughs> uh, and also um, you're making me miss the great movie ride really bad right now because this movie's heavily featured is it really in the, Good Morning Vietnam in the um, the clip package at the end no, you go into this giant room that's all screens and you just watch tons of clips of classic movies mm-hmm. and this movie's all over it for some i guess because it was a disney movie with a lot of mm-hmm. prestige only a couple of years before mm-hmm. but yeah yeah and i think I don't, it star has risen because it just it stands up as a really enduring showcase it's a dramatic film a serious story with a funny lead where robin williams gets to improv a lot yeah and so it, it it's a really good set piece for robin williams this and but not as good as the fisher king Fisher King is like yep. the best way he was ever utilized. God yeah, damn it. Absolutely. Rolls. Um, but Good Morning Vietnam, we've all seen it, right? Yeah. 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 Not in I probably mean, like 25 years. Yeah, it's but, been a yeah. while. But yeah, it's about a guy hired to be a DJ during the Vietnam War mm-hmm. over in Vietnam. And uh, they want him to just say what they want him to say. But he's too irrepressible and fun. And then, you know, sometimes serious things happen and sometimes not. And Forrest Whitaker is there. And, oh, by the way, it's a goddamn war zone. <laughs> yes. Laughter is the best medicine. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that... Yes, but Patch Adams, not funny. <laughs> this, But funny. he got that nose and those shoes. But yeah, I, no. hey, the movies of the movies of '87 righted itself. But for December 22nd through the 28th in television, Maddie. Yes. Uh, so this is a thing I wanted to to just briefly mention is that on the 27th, uh, on NBC uh, NBC Sports, Gail Sirens or mm-hmm. Sirens became the first woman to do a play by play for an NFL regular season football game. Hey. Uh, she called the game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs. I couldn't see how many games she called. Apparently, mm-hmm. she had a very short stint there, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a milestone. Well, I feel for like sure. I can't. Does that? Is there any woman doing play by play on any sports now? Not play by play. No. I can't. I do, I'm not the right person to ask because that shit is bow ring. No, they have. I mean, plenty of sideline reporters and interviewers mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, more I never see until there's a, in sports, a but... clip of one of them being harassed mm. by a drunk athlete oh, or gosh. former athlete Joe Namath. Mm-hmm. Um, and what uh, else we got? Let's see. On the 22nd, uh, NBC News aired a special that I watched a bit of. It was called "Fear, Frustration, and Flying," and it's about kind of like all the poor practices of major airlines and planes and like all the oh, bad safety they had at just the time. as you're traveling or have traveled for christmas that's yeah. fantastic and i was like oh this is just going to be fear-mongering news trash but it really was about like this was before a lot of like radar stuff was set so they they really heavily re- like were beating in the idea that uh, pilots had to see stuff to avoid it <laughs> right now oh. like if another plane's coming and they reference a bunch of uh pretty famous ca- uh, plane crashes that i looked into and realized they were mm-hmm. big deals the time like one of them two major airlines collided uh and like that's a big deal and they they were explaining like because those guys couldn't see uh but now you know they explained some kind of radar system uh the the tcas system uh that i believe we actually have a clip from it that this is a good piece of news i mean this i've never been so excited to revisit something seemingly so boring (laughs) (laughs) it's called a traffic alert collision avoidance system or tcas it gives pilots a cockpit display of an approaching plane on a collision course it looks like asteroids mm-hmm. and a direction to avoid disaster. What was, wow! What yeah. was the dead air there, though? I think they were just showing. <laughs> I the think thing. they were so fascinated by this technology that an arrow lights up and points you which direction to avoid uh. a collision in. It's not even a graphic. It's like a like the turn signal on your. <laughs> 
on your dashboard. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, so well, first of all, I'm I was in Disneyland. I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. You guys get to talk about broadcast news, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, so you know, in broadcast news, when they're like doing it like right before it goes on, and you, mm-hmm. he's just he's just recording his VO. Mm-hmm. This guy was just doing that, I think, because you can hear mm-hmm. him go. And then, like, it, oh, like no cuts, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a fascinating piece of news, and yeah, like what they just showed, like that looked like an Atari twenty six hundred game telling yep. planes you're gonna hit something. That's... So like that's what we're, and it's you know what, it's better now, but it's not that different. It's not that different, and just if, if the visuals on it, which sorry, you guys can't see, it's like holy shit, our life is in the hands of this Commodore. Yeah, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. It looks like the Ghostbusters game. <laughs> Uh, and then on the 23rd, Top of the Pops, a very special Christmas airs Ooh. on CBS. So, Diana, you know what Top of the Pops is, yeah, right? Yeah, Top of the Pops is uh, the British show mm-hmm. where, you know, I mean, it's a, I don't want to say it's like an American bandstand, but, you know, it's when, whatever yeah, is really popular. They have, you know, pe- they come out and they lip sync to it and people dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It ran on, <laughs> on BBC, a weekly show from 1964 to 06. Wow. Uh, yeah. But they can, cont- and actually, if you, you guys have seen Love Actually, that's the show that uh, Bill Nye is yeah. on mm-hmm. when he gets Christmas naked at the end. Is all <laughs> Feel it in my fingers. Uh, yeah. uh, but they tried an American one oh. for in 1987 and 88. It did not take a it ran for less than a year. But they uh, did have a they did the Christmas special, which the UK has done that whole time and still does mm-hmm. apparently every year. So even though the show's not on, they do the Christmas special where they have you know One Direction or whoever Harry Styles. Um, but we have a clip from the American one. Wednesday on CBS, the Bangles, Sting. Run DMC, The Judge, John Cougar Mellencamp, Stevie Nicks, Michael McDonald, you 2 and more in an all-new holiday yeah. special. Santa Claus is rocking the town with Top of the Pop. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year! A very special Christmas Wednesday. Wow. Yeah, see that I baby sting? I want to watch that. Holy yeah. shit, what a lineup. There's I would find that now and watch lineup. it. Yeah. Michael McDonald and you 2 oh. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, on the 26th, the Room airs on what? ABC, oh. but it's not the room you're thinking of. It's a uh, you're Robert. my Alt- brain apart. What, what's happening? <laughs> it's a Robert Altman directed, made-for-TV adaptation of two Harold Pinter plays, wow. The Room and The Dumb Waiter, starring Linda Hunt, Julian Sands, and Annie Lennox. The fuck? I know, right? It's it's the lost Altman movie. When I was looking it up, uh, people were like, "This was on VHS." There's a VHS on Amazon for forty bucks, but Jeez. somebody ripped it and put it on YouTube, so you can watch what is basically the lost the Altman lost Altman piece. movie. It's only Holy like forty-eight shit. minutes. Um, I don't even have a clip from it because the clips are all... It's very weird. I tried watching some well, of it. Well, it's Harold Pinter's. There's, yes. It's going to be weird and there's going to be pausing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. I couldn't find a clip. That, I couldn't find a 30-second clip with more than one line in it. Um, but I'm going to watch it. I love Robert Altman. So I'm excited to see I, a Robert Altman movie I never knew existed. And uh, glorious 100p. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, it looks like it looks like complete trash. I love it. Oh, uh, no. I love obscure, dumb, forgotten Christmas specials. Yes. So I saved this for last because, Chris, I want you to... Talk, do you know about Santa Bear's high-flying adventure? No. Okay. No. Oh, man. Uh, it aired on CBS. It's a sequel to Santa Bear's first Christmas. Uh, it was created by Rabbit Ears Productions, mm-hmm. who, which sounds familiar. Did they make American Rabbit? I don't know. Okay. It, it looks kind of reminiscent of that. Uh, and the Dayton Hudson Corporation... Which uh, I love it when a corporation brings me something. Yeah, I don't. I assume that's not Hudson Soft, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna just make it in my brain that that's Hudson Soft. I'm gonna assume they are a maker of fine epoxies. <laughs> just, just something really boring. And and the I'm sure the special has a lot of great things about how glue is a great Christmas gift. 
Uh, it features the voices of Kelly McGillis, because it's 1987. Right. Uh, Bobby McFerrin. Oh, boy. John Malkovich as Santa Claus. What? He's all over the place. Oh, my God. And Dennis Hopper. No. I need to deliver toys. Dude, you're not far <laughs> off. We're going to play a clip from it in just a second. Uh, but it's about Santa Claus's little helper, Santa Bear, who's a bear dressed like Santa who lives in the North Pole. Uh, he's being sent on a mission to deliver presents to the South Pole, because he's a polar bear. So I guess he's better um. suited to do that. Uh, unfortunately, Bully Bear, who was formerly Santa's little helper, wants to destroy all the presents that Santa Bear is giving to the people of the South Pole, and Santa Bear must do everything he can to stop Bully Bear from succeeding in his plan. There's like eight people at the South Pole, you know, they're all researchers. <laughs> what What is <laughs> yeah. going on? Yeah, they're, oh, they're all always... beardo, poor masturbators, <laughs> yeah. living tall wife. They're getting taken over by the thing. Ice Station Zebra, poor guys. Uh, so let's play a clip of Santa talking to Santa Bear. Look, in that picture over there. Isn't that a snow bear exactly like me? Santa bear, you and the bear in this picture may look alike, but you are not at all alike. Not at all. Nothing whatsoever. You see, once I was wrong about a Santa's helper. This bear was my mistake. Who is he? He goes by the name of Bully Bear. Now, okay. Why is that so unsettling? Please... <laughs> Everyone look this up. Santa Bear's High Flying Adventure on YouTube because tell me this doesn't look exactly like a Saturday TV Funhouse cartoon. Yeah. Oh the way God, his face yes. moves and the fact that he's he's just so bored and does not know how to act with his voice. This, this, oh. di- that's the most dispassionate Santa like ever yeah. of all time. Look, Good I've, Lord. It's it's so unnerving. I've been get, doing this since Jesus Christ was born. Get a fucking cup of coffee, Santa. For Come real. on. Where was, where was Frank Welker when you needed him? <laughs> um, but that's it for TV in 1987. Yeah, we just did a laser time all about how it, we it's a revelation I only recently had but if there's a classic Christmas anything it always has a sequel and the sequel is usually forgotten mm-hmm. such is the case with Santa Bear evidently dude I did a whole four years I wrote about Christmas specials exclusively I've never heard of this but it, <laughs> it, it, it was a 1986 success so this is the follow up mm-hmm. and then I'm guessing it wore at its welcome the first mm-hmm. one uh, I, I, I didn't see is was it theatrical or was it just on TV uh, yeah, it must have just been on CBS TV. right it's difficult oh I did see their version of Velveteen Rabbit because it's Read by oh my gosh! It's, I it's have seen that one too. It looks just like this. Authentic and depressing, and yeah, I read by Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. I can't see. I can't find a. Cannot find an American Rabbit connection, but Jesus okay. Christ! Yeah, just a bunch of a bunch of straight up, straightforward, mostly tall tales, myths, and public domain adaptations. That makes sense for, from Rabbit Ear Productions. Mm. Uh, but that, I wonder if they made the Robin Williams Paul Bunyan thing. I'm guessing yes. Pegos Bill. Pegos, yes. yes. Oh, that's got to be the Robin Williams one. Yes, that thing did. is nuts. And Glenn Host narrating, Glenn Close narrating the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Jodie Foster <laughs> yeah. narrating the fisherman and his wife. Wow. Eh? Odd. A, incredible amount of talent here. Jesus Christ. Uh, three Billy Goes Gruff, <laughs> read by Holly Hunter. Whoa. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that wraps up television, and we we, we, oh, we finally have something. God. We got something for you, gamers. Uh, 1987 December Games Police Quest debuts on PC. The Police Quest in Pursuit of the Death Angel, the first <laughs> in the Sierra game series, which would eventually be consulted with by uh, OJ Famous Daryl Gates. Oh. We're consulting that game. Who is yeah. Daryl Gates? Uh, he was the chief of police of Los Angeles. Yeah, was he, he the racist one? Oh, he was super racist. Okay. Oh mm-hmm. gosh, that yeah. guy. No, I mean, look, we can't. We chokehold putting people in chokeholds is is tough thing to get right because you know it chokeholds work differently on black people than they do on normal people. Uh, oh wait, we should. That's a depressing. direct quote. We should specify normal. Whoa, people. really? 
We're not yes. saying right. we're not saying all cops are racist. No, but all cops are racist. <laughs> well, yeah, no, all Darryl white Gates. cops are racist. Daryl Gates, fucking racist. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a direct quote. The chief of police of this largest. Uh, second largest city in America said that there's a difference between black people and normal people. He's the one that they interview <sighs> for like the first half of the documentary before they reveal that and be like, this guy you've been listening to, uh, yeah. he's the one that said the N-word a bunch on that recording. I uh, thought that was somebody else. Is no, that a different guy? Yeah, okay, you're thinking I thought it was Furman. Uh, yeah, Mark yeah. Oh, yes, I'm thinking of Mark Furman. But poli- yeah. I, I didn't play, but I had my friend who was like, had a vague interest in like tactical police horse shit. Love this series because this sounds like it's a, a bit dramatic, but it eventually became something like a, a if you were into like SWAT maneuvers. They had a SWAT spinoff, and mm-hmm. the manual came and instructed you. It looked like a real police manual. You can go on GOG yeah. and get like fifty of these. Games Probably, yeah. But the, the first $5. one, uh, the first Sierra Police Quest game, debuted uh, in 1987. This week, uh, but for music, Faith by George Michael is still number one. I'm gonna just wishing everyone now a happy Whamageddon. I hope you're. <laughs> I hope you gotten through it. I love I, whoever came up with that. That was awesome. Yeah, still it, haven't got me. They haven't got. Dude, they got me the nope. first. Well, my girlfriend's playing a lot of Christmas music, uh, and by a lot of Christmas music, the same twenty songs over and over again on Spotify. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Someone write new Christmas songs. Yep. But well, Whamageddon is where you see how long you can go um, without hearing. Oh my God! What's the song? Last Christmas. Last Christmas by Wham. So Whamageddon's what ends the Willennium, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Faith, <laughs> Faith by George Michael is still number one. Number two on the charts is "Is This Love." <laughs> By Whitesnake, yeah. according to the Monster Ballads, they taught us how to love. <laughs> Whitesnake, is this love? We will go out with that, and we will see you once again in 1997. Do you like shows like Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, and 302010? Then you should know these shows are almost entirely listener-supported through patreon.com slash lasertime. For as little as five bucks a month, you can make sure all Lasertime shows keep going and get weekly, exclusive, uncensored, and commercial-free bonus show, Bonus Time, in return. Here's a taste. The thing I asked you guys to notice about me, which you still have not, last guess. Last guess. Uh, oh, it's not the teeth thing? It's not the teeth thing. Uh, shaving? It's why everything's different. I probably seem a little weird. Not shaving. Uh, eating It's not what, what you're looking at me. It's not something that's on me. It's something that I haven't done. Eat, eaten? Because well, I didn't get to eat. Yeah, I didn't bring mine. You keep mentioning uh, that. No. <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, wearing a diaper? No. Oh. What... I, what do, what am I not doing? What have I not done? Vaping. All oh, you're not vaping. Whoa! Wait I, a minute. I well, that's right. You were vaping yesterday. Through noble, per, through no noble means, I uh. dropped it this morning at six a.m. Oh, I see it in pieces here. Every moment from here on out is the longest I've ever been without <laughs> it. Um, Boy. With the stress of a trip and these teeth thing and then no vaping, I, this is not a time to quit vaping. I'm saying, well, I, I, I'm not. I gonna, wouldn't. I'm, Get your weekly bonus podcast, over a hundred movie commentaries, exclusive videos, gameplay days, and more by supporting LaserTime at Patreon.com/slash LaserTime. Coming in with My Body by LSG. Um, Jesus Christ, is this a slow week for music? 
it is these are dead weeks for music nothing's coming out at christmas because i mean you've already bought the cds you're gonna give people and so pretty much you've already bought your christmas music yeah pretty much for six weeks like december 15th or so to like the end of january there's like basically no new releases there's like a couple here and there so wow um but obviously candle the wind still number one anyway so it's not like yeah not like you're missing anything uh but news 1997 december 22nd through the 28th of 1997 uh, what's this news here for the 22nd, D? This is one of, like, my favorite lawsuits ever. <laughs> Hunter Tylo wins $4 million in her wrongful termination lawsuit against Melrose Place. Huh. Now, here's how this went down. It's like, I didn't even love Melrose Place. Is this, that a this is man a, or woman? That's a woman. Okay. She was a model. Okay. Um, she was the baby. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't like Melrose Place because it's so freaking cheesy, but this was like, this should have been an episode of Melrose Place because what happened was Hunter Tyler was a model. She was hired to be on Melrose Place and then she was fired and she said she was fired because she was pregnant and they were like, no, no, it was ratings or blah, blah, blah. And they came up with this thing and, and they go through this whole lawsuit and they're like, well, no, but you know, actually if we did fire her because she was pregnant, obviously it's going to change how she looks. And we hired her for her looks and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and towards the end, I think towards the end of the trial, they had, uh, you know, she took the stand and she's, she's a model. She's fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, you know, do you think like your appearance changed a lot, you know, while you were pregnant? And she's like, no, because I'm pregnant now. <gasps> She had that a Cinderella. I have the other slipper moment. She was like, she was like five months pregnant during wow. this lawsuit, and you could not fucking tell. She still looked amazing. Whoa. And they're like, oh shit, yeah, okay, here's four million dollars. You win. Was that something we were alive during? Like actresses being fired for being pregnant? Did, it seems yeah. bizarre to think of now. I mean, yeah, usually you know they come up with ways to hide it or have her go off somewhere for yeah, a while. Yeah, have Felicia Rashad constantly carry groceries. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, it's just because Melrose Place is supposed to be a sexy show, or everyone's sexy all the time, or they just didn't want to have her, you know, behind a desk all the time, whatever Holding it was. A box. I, I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but the super like, and I'm pregnant right now. Wow, it's like that's the best <laughs> move ever. <laughs> Record scratch, stenographer's jaw hits the floor. Exactly. What show was it? Oh, some sitcom where uh, one of the actors is pregnant during like a whole season and they do that. She's like carrying laundry or whatever. Mm. And then they do a bit in episode that's like a dream sequence where she like eats all the food in the house. And then she and like really reveals, fat. Yeah, she reveals huh. her belly and she's got her like pregnant belly. Was it Roseanne? <laughs> I do not know. It was some show. But like we, that. we, I wish we had more time to dwell on that, but we can't because the 1997 movies are insane. So, like I said, last, last decade's kind of dead. Now, oh Jesus boy. Christ, this is like everything that the biggest flop of the year, <laughs> the biggest, like the most Oscar nominations of for act, like the actors of a yeah. single year. Okay, we'll get to it because we've got a lot to run down. And for some reason, I saw almost all of these, with the exception of <laughs> Nick Nolte and Julie Christie's Afterglow. Yep. I made the horrible mistake of seeing an American werewolf in Paris not knowing there was an original. Uh, I saw this one. Tom Everett Scott, fresh off of That Thing You Do, the only other starring role from that guy I can think of. Uh, and Julie Delphi playing what seemed like a much older woman than him. Uh, but American Werewolf, in, the sequel to American Werewolf in London, which we now know is home to the best practical effects showcase you have ever seen that oh, will yeah. transformation is second to none it happens in bare light in a room like they don't cover it do you see his hand stretch yes. and the hair come out yes yeah. it was like it was and this movie sucks was that uh rick baker um <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah really really good and it as a result holds up amazingly mm-hmm. this is all cg and green oh, screen no. and it even at the time i'm like this is it's always night 
to cover up how bad everything looks. I forget. Is this one also directed by the murderer? No. No? Okay. The murderer? The murderer. He murdered John people. John Landis. Oh, no, no. This dad, John Landis, did not murderer, direct this. He's a killer. And he was acquitted. <laughs> yeah, he's a manslaughterer. <laughs> so was yeah. OJ. A yeah, child exactly. slaughterer. He was acquitted. Um, uh, but I, I cannot believe I saw this. I think I, this is the first. Of all the movies that were out, I went to see this in the theater week one because I was like, fuck yeah, werewolves. And very disappointed. <laughs> uh, but this other movie I eventually saw. <laughs> it was the worst jewel heist in history. Ah! And the only witness to the crime ah! didn't see a thing. Now, Mr. Magoo is going undercover. But he doesn't have a clue. This, this... We were out of... I'm sorry, people. We were out of control in the mid-90s of adapting forgotten forgotten pieces of animation into live-action comedies. And, man, Leslie Nielsen uh, as Mr. Magoo. This. Whew. Flintstones. And it's not bad casting. And it's like the... It's the, great casting. If you, it's if, visionary casting in a horrible movie. I, I, I would call myself a Leslie Nielsen fan. He doesn't really ever do anything different, uh, ever. He was a straight B-movie actor and then brought that into... The Zucker brothers, Zucker and Abrams. He got cast in movies where it was funny to be. It was the same as Adam West. It was same yeah. as all as Will Shatner. It's it's funny that like this serious actor is saying these ridiculous mm-hmm. things. And anytime yeah. he ever tried to be funny on purpose, no. it never worked. No. It almost I, never worked. I stay away if if he's making a funny expression on the poster, I'm done. Yeah, I'm not, that's... I'm not doing it. That's that's an excellent it's point. It's so much funnier when he is the straight man as opposed to when he is like mugging at the camera. That's why it worked, and no one understood that. I think people walked walked out of the Naked Gun movies and like Leslie Nielsen is the funniest person in the universe. You're you're half right there. <laughs> this is just the best situation for him to be funny. And if you're not doing a straightforward parody of police procedurals like that is crazy out like out your ass zany. Uh, never mind. Uh, 2001 A Space Travesty. Dude, his, his latter day career accused. of wrongfully accused. All of Leslie Nielsen's career is so spy hard. All those movies mm. are fucking terrible. Although, I would say, so all these movies made it really hard to get people to watch Scary Movie 3. Mm-hmm. But every time someone did, they were like, the movie's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a good movie, but it's pretty funny. Huh. Uh, but that, so that movie, Mr. Magoo. May have been the first movie I was able to pick to rent myself. Oh, no. I'm pretty, I've definitely rented it <laughs> oh, no. probably several times yes. when I was seven years old. I can't see very well. A thousand and one jokes about blindness, man. I forgot it was about a jewel heist, which is the most 1997 way to adapt an old cartoon <laughs> in the world. And Mr. Magoo is a great cartoon character. Uh, it, I think it doesn't hold up only because some of the animation is so limited. Uh, it's not, and it's not as stylized as other UPA yeah, things. But flat UPA thing. Despite you know making fun of this this character's handicap, uh, I love I love when Magoo flew where he accidentally gets on the top of the plane instead of inside it and takes his whole flight. As a little kid, I thought, oh my, you could do that! You can just lean up against the the fucking fin of the airplane and relax. Well, they're not they're not making fun of blindness. They're mm-hmm. making fun of the hubris of a man who thinks he can see fine, mm-hmm. but he clearly cannot. So it's not making fun of a handicap. I suppose it's making fun of hubris. So, but it makes him a really great cartoon character. He gets in ridiculous situations. Yeah. He almost like kills cool himself. Dude. He's uh, like funny and he's like nice to everyone yeah. there's always a construction site around just wa- waiting <laughs> yeah. for him to wander into yeah we had to mention that we did a commentary on patreon.com slash laser time for mickey's christmas carol one of matt and i's favorite movies and we were just talking about how bizarre it was for disney to elevate the scrooge character but it's called mickey's christmas carol but you can't have mickey be scrooge yeah. That would not work. And the first Christmas special is Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. And because he's such a nice character, 
they had to frame that whole special as in this is Mr. Magoo, the actor showing up in a play to play someone awful because mm-hmm. that's not who Magoo. They have wow. to give you an in canon reason why Magoo is being mean. Mr. Magoo, I just realized this. So he's basically like an aging bald white man acting mm-hmm. in like local theater mm-hmm. Mr. Magoo is basically Nick Kroll and John Mulaney's Broadway <laughs> show oh uh, oh hello Jesus. Oh, yeah. Mr. Magoo is the original oh hello oh this is so weird I, we don't have a clip from Coon Dune uh, yeah. Coon Dune is that Scorsese yep Scorsese you allowed to say one, that anymore one, what Coon Dune <laughs> yeah oh no um, am I saying it wrong <laughs> no. uh, we can't have a fine. clip because the best part of the movie is half an hour of nothing but Philip Glass score yeah yeah <laughs> and it's the one one of the few Scorsese movies I haven't seen I love it it's really good though but I mean yeah are you waiting for like excitement laugh a minute no no none of that I mean it's it's about being the Dalai Lama <laughs> it's gonna be slow Does Dalai it's Lama going do to coke? Be- no. Oh, nope. man. Nope, and there's not a single Rolling Stones song in it. It's depressing. I know. I was just, any minute now, Gimme Shelter's going to kick in as he's like going over the mountains to like get away from the Chinese. Philip Glass covers Paint of Black. That yeah. episode of The Sopranos where like Scorsese shows up for a second and Christopher's, the gangster's <laughs> yeah. off to the side and he's like, yeah, Kundun. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the Kundun. Kundun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's it's interesting that this is coming out we, 10 years before Empire, we, we have Empire of the mm-hmm. Sun, because it's like, yeah, we've got these big-ass directors uh, doing these, you know, interesting projects in Asia, these stories yeah. that aren't being told and, well, that are both visually stunning. And the timing of, we recently talked about The Last Emperor, which I get yeah. the, them confused all the time, having never seen either. I should watch both. Um, They're both great. But there's so many movies to talk about. Uh, are, are these... Well, let's get some of these so bad they're good uh, <laughs> movies out of the way here. Oh, yeah. When the world is in trouble, when our future is in danger, we call upon one man. But when he's busy, he calls five girls. Columbia Pictures presents The Spice Girls. All right, we're coming. <laughs> I, I tried to wa- I ironically watched this in the theaters and oh was, it didn't work for me but everyone I was I hated it I hated it really? so much yeah this but, movie is the most incompetently made film I've ever seen where yeah. there, there are scenes where you're like why isn't anyone lit like what's <laughs> happening where are the lights but everything I remember hating about it when I hear people who now enjoy it as a good bad movie and like they enjoy it for the, all the reasons I hated about it. I've I've been curious to give this another watch. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, first of all, yeah. it's a cameo fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark McKinney. Mark McKinney is one of the main characters, yeah. pretty much. Meatloaf yeah. is their bus driver. He, yeah. he, I'll do anything for those girls, mm-hmm. but I won't do that. Meaning, okay. clean the toilets. And the so, movie's called Spice World. Spice World. Oh. Same as their second album, I believe. Yeah, I. You know, I have. I have like a strange affection for this movie because mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, it's not. It could be a lot better made, but I feel like if you're just going to make a Spice Girls movie, this is about a good. This is a good way to go about it because it's just a hard day's night. It's hard day's night. Yeah, they they day's get to be night. cartoon That's characters. Exactly what you need to do. Except for some reason, they have another friend, Pregnant Spice, who obviously <laughs> they've got was has never been seen before or since, and of course she's going to have to have a baby, and they're going to have to rush around in their bus screaming at each other, and. Richard E. Grant's going to be there, and Roger Moore. Uh, 
doing obviously he's like never in the room with anyone else but i think it's really funny because he's parodying himself yeah, he's, you know? he's playing james bond he's playing james bond but he's also like first he's stroking a white cat and then he's got like a chicken i think and he's got like a pet pig and he's just like being blowfeld but with a pet pig and aliens like it. they meet aliens in the film obviously yeah <laughs> because oh and how a movie this notably bad is out against the real worst movie of the year yeah. uh let me see if you can guess this from this little clip there used to be a postman <laughs> for every street in America. They wore uniforms and hats, just like this one. Getting a letter made you feel like you were part of something bigger than yourself. Good Lord, this... <laughs> Make America great again. Whenever any shit people give Waterworld, you're mm-hmm. wrong. That movie's great and pays <laughs> off. You're actually thinking about the postman. It's Kevin... Costner is most ignorant and arrogant and oh, like unself aware trying to make a 30s epic and he's actually directing it this time like just mm-hmm. it's fully a Kevin the trailer is four and a half minutes the movie is almost four hours this is terrible it's almost four hours it's t- there's a director's there's a extended cut of it it's fucking terrible I've seen the whole thing it is excruciating to watch yeah. it, it this is I love this as an example of like this does not have an ironic fan base because it's impossible. No. It is really bad. I do not recommend. I hope I'm not making this sound alluring to any of you. <laughs> no. This is really, really He's bad. Trying to make Lawrence of Arabia, but in America. <laughs> yes. And about how great America used to be. Uh, and apparently the apocalypse happened right before fucking email because we're going <laughs> to jerk off all over the post office. Mm-hmm. He reopens the post office yeah, to reassemble a yeah. post-apocalyptic America with his pal. Ford Lincoln Mercury. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's a real character in That's the movie. That's true, true. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this idea could have been like a fun comedy. Mm-hmm. The idea of like a post-apocalypse and, and you know, that I think it starts out that he's like, a, he's he sort of lies about being a mailman yeah. and he starts making up shit about how, no, no, there's a real government now and I'm here from them and blah, blah, blah. But he just blows himself the whole movie. And takes it, <laughs> yeah, he it takes is, it so seriously. It's so like self-serious. At the end, like they unveil a big statue of him, and everyone cries, and it's like, oh, it's so. I'm not Jesus, so bad. unless I am. Also, I don't know. Now I don't want to blow anyone's minds here. Yeah. But you ever think about how it's post? Man. Man. Uh, Man. Get out of here right now. You can't talk about any more movies. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it, it. there's very, very little to laugh at. Yeah. It mostly, you just hold your head and go like, you. every time you had an option, you picked the wrong give, one, Kevin. Give the trailer a hate watch. It seems like a parody of a Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. This movie is nuts, and I, I hope it never gets, I hope we never have to see it again. Good uh. Lord. And for some reason, my aunt loves it. Oh, I just thought The Postman was the best movie of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Go away, Aunt Jane. Wait, are you sure it's not the Italian Il Postino no. she's thinking of? The, the, he rings twice. No, it's, no. She, she said this. Oh, it's so underrated. I'm like, ah, oh, man. I, I, she's the only person I've ever met who has any affection for this movie. But we have a comment section, 302010.net. Dude, if you want to go to bat for this movie, maybe I'm wrong. I remember having, I was so, I was a Waterworld defender. And my, I was so bored by this film. Uh, so bored. Yeah. Wanted to like it. Um, Waterworld sympathizer. Oh, but we still we can... have we still have more movies those, to talk about. Those are the less than great movies. We have three amazing movies have... to talk about now. Every one of these uh, got some Oscar buzz around yep. around them. Uh, the first one being, I can't tell if this is timeless or timely. Wag the dog. 
Now, Washington's top spin doctor. We can distract the press for 11 days till the election. I think we got a chance. Has an idea. We can't afford a war. We're gonna have the appearance of a war. But he can't pull it off without Hollywood's top producer. Uh, do I know you? We have some mutual friends in Washington. Why come to me? We want you to produce. You want me to produce your war? Not a war, it's a pageant. We need a theme, a song, some visuals. We need, you know, it's a pageant. I don't know. I saw the, I watched this movie a lot and haven't seen it in about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even watched Robert it Evans. in yeah. when, Costa Rica, where I've... <laughs> I, when I was visiting Costa Rica, I'm like, what movie is that? And it, the Spanish title, Scandolos de la Casa Blanca. Uh, that's oh, what that's it's pretty co- good. Because it wag the dog's an expression about uh, when the, the tail wags the, the tail dog. Wags the dog. <laughs> because it's uh, Robert De Niro as a political spinster trying to cover up uh, uh, sexual harassment mm-hmm. claim involving the president, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he can distract the press with, by manufacturing a fake war with the help of a Hollywood producer they can distract the press long enough to get through the election cycle, which the president's likely to win. Uh, but it's, I don't know if it's funny anymore. <laughs> I'm sure it's tough. tough to I think it's probably harder to watch now than it was then. Even then, I mean, it's pitch black and super, super cynical. I, I remember watching it like, man, can you imagine any kind of media being so able to successfully manipulate this many people? And like, man, that's so far-fetched. This should be sci-fi. And here we are in 2017. Yeah, yeah well, no matter who you voted for, like, holy shit, there is... Polar, like there are polar opposite news channels, and Russia, when Russia's on Facebook, we just had a pedophile um, barely lose. Yeah. So for the U.S. goddamn Senate, yeah, and being yes. a pedophile was like the eighth worst thing about that guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> not to mention a fake pedophile scandal that millions of people believed with no factual basis during this election cycle. Mm-hmm. Wag the dog doesn't seem far fetched at all. That you can make up a fake war with a couple of media assets. And yep. have everyone believe it, even because there's actually no war happening. But they're casting dictators. They are manufacturing Fox News things. Let me get some footage of the helicopters coming in. Mm-hmm. It it and, was pretty cool at the time. And they manufacture a hero, which mm-hmm. is Woody Harrelson in one of the best cameos ever. <laughs> he is so funny. He's mostly catatonic. Wow. <laughs> but he's so funny. I forgot all about it. It's been so long since I've seen this. Are but you? Um, Woman. <laughs> really entertaining and I'm, I'm putting it at the low end of like I can't guarantee how hold how well this holds up mm. I'm pretty sure this movie holds up because I watched now, it a, the... you, you know what I have one last thing to say about wag the dog mm. you know what's like the ultimate wagging of the dog is this movie was made at Barry Levinson again yeah yeah and it, it was made in 30 days because they were on break from sphere <laughs> Sphere was the money project. This was wow. the wacky fun project. Sphere was a disaster and it's horrible. We'll talk about it later. And I, I'm not and sure. And Wag the Dog got a bunch of Oscar nominations and everyone loves it. Yeah, and and I think it was the first time Dustin Hoffman and De Niro had been in the same movie. I think they would go on. To, yeah, they've done that several times since. But yeah. in my wor- world with an Italian family, like there was nobody bigger than De Niro. My dad loved Horse with No Name. Wait, no, Man Called Horse. So he That's loved not a- him. What's Dustin Hoffman? Little little big little man? Little big man. Love that, man. that movie. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Dustin Hoffman. And I remember our household was like, they're in the same movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I think they've done it like 10 times since. Uh, but uh, I, how do, yeah. well do you think As Good As It Gets holds up? It holds up pretty well. I watched it a couple years ago. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an entirely fine movie. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't know if it's as good as we thought it was. Like It was like Oscariest comedy in like a long time. But yeah. That's... Every single member of the cast was nominated 
for the, every category. Yeah. Greg <laughs> yeah. Kinnear, uh, and did Cuba Gooding Jr., he won the Best Supporting? No. No, that's for Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Greg Kinnear nominated for an Oscar, Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson nominated for Best Act- Actor both and won. Actress, and both won. Yeah. Uh, and that would not happen again until American Beauty. It's, uh, it's essentially Jack Nicholson playing the most unlikable human being of all time yeah. and yeah. becoming, trying to become more likable by taking care of his, uh, what do you call it, his... His name neighbor who has been the victim of a hate crime, a gay dude has been beaten up, and he's got to try like on crutches and his yeah, and broken. The only and here I have a little clip of. There's a lot of great Jack Nicholson dialogue. It's a really cool latter day role he for is him. Genuinely, he's amazing. And this is him and Helen Hunt and Greg Kinnear. They're taking what Greg Kinnear is going to see his parents who have kind of disowned him, and he's just told this heartfelt story with swelling music. And Helen Hunt, like, I, I'm being compassionate. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And then Jack Nicholson chimes in with, Hey, we all have these terrible stories to get over and you... It's not true. Some of us have great stories, pretty stories that take place at lakes with boats and friends and noodle salad. Just no one in this car. But a lot of people, that's their story. Good times, noodle salad. What makes it so hard is not that you had it bad, but that you're that pissed that so many others had it good. It's just, he takes every opportunity to say the worst thing imaginable. Mm. And, and it's, it, on a writing level, it's done so creatively. I, I do love every time he opens his mouth. I just hate his redemption arc and getting to fall in love with Helen Hunt. Like, <laughs> no, she should not be interested in this man even slightly. He is twice yeah. her age, an awful person. Yeah, well, I think one thing I find interesting about it that I I do like compared to other like romantic comedies where, you know, a guy is stocky or weird or whatever or controlling and then the woman ends up falling in love with him in the end and you're like, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) This one. You make me want to be a better person. Bingo. Yeah. That's it's it's that line is that he's got he's besides being a malevolent little fucker, he's. He, you know, he's he's got like OCD. OCD. He was a writer who works from home. He hates going into the outside world. Yeah. Everything must be as yeah, it is. You know, he freaks out. He carries and, around uh, utensils in a little plastic bag to yeah, eat at a restaurant. You know, can't step on cracks. You know, has to turn on the light switch so many times. That sort of thing. But that he realizes that his life could be improved, and he gets help, and he gets on some medication, and he chooses to do that because she makes him want to be a better person. Mm. And that that makes it make some more sense for me hmm. compared I, I, to just like he wears her down. I would I would like yeah I would like to make sense of it in my brain, but it still doesn't. There's no way you should love this man. He's done too <laughs> ma- too much bad shit, and he is too old for you, Helen Hunt. Well, that is true. Helen Hunt, by the way, uh, I can't believe I get to say it. Great wet T-shirt scene. There, yeah. <laughs> this film, great wet T-shirt scene. That's true. That's funny. Uh, yeah, she took home the Oscar for it. Oh man, created some strife on Mad About You. I loved reading, hearing mm. Paul Reiser tell that story. He just accidentally had a clause that he get the same amount as his co-star. Helen Hunt won the Oscar. It goes back to Mad About You during contract negotiations. Like I'm an Oscar winner. I have film role parts. I'm not doing this for less than blank. And Paul Reiser just sat there and got a salary <laughs> and everything she got. And like, huh, that was pretty cool. Nice. Sorry, you had so, sorry this was problematic for you, Helen. Uh, thanks for getting me all this money. Um, God damn it. But I, I think it's, and it's James L. Brooks. Yeah. I think yeah. it's yeah. the last, last good movie. Universally well-received James L. Brooks movie. But we I think just discussed last week, right? Did we? Oh, broadcast news. Broadcast yes. News. Yeah. But like, cause he's, he seemed to be on a streak and by streak, I mean, he'd make a movie every six years and it 
it seemed to do really well. Um, he's like, I, I, you could describe him as like the Judd Apatow of the eighties, like really yeah. overly long personal comedies that don't feel like other movies that you're seeing. Getting mm-hmm. people you wouldn't expect to lead. Yeah. A movie mm-hmm. like that, you know, like your, he uh, goes back to Nicholson all the time. Your Albert yeah. Einstein. Got a cool cameo on broadcast news. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, Oh yeah. As the news guy. Yeah. What yeah. the followed up, it was followed up by Spanglish in a movie. So forgettable. I forgot the title. The one from just a couple years ago with Owen Wilson. Yeah. And like, what sometimes stuff happens that's the title yeah, the yeah. title something is something like that, like that. How, do how do you know how do you know oh my god yeah uh, how, do you how, know? Do you know? how do you know how do you know this movie actually came out oh yeah. god okay but can we I'm gonna play a little clip here for the audience and I want you to guess what is truly the best movie of this week in 1997 it doesn't get its praises sung enough is that what I think it is what do you think it is I think it's a gun pressed up against my dick. Fool, you thought right. Now take your hands from around my throat, nigga. <laughs> I, this this is one of my favorite sequences in the whole film. Oh, Foxy. Uh, oh, Foxy <laughs> I'm so glad you can talk about it. Uh, I, I, Jackie Brown. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, awaited, most much awaited follow up to Pulp Fiction. Imagine living in a world where, like, can this guy do it again? Uh, mm-hmm. And Jackie Brown didn't hit that hard for people. Critics yeah. liked it. It kind of disappeared from theaters very quickly, and I don't hear enough people singing the praises of it because it feels, it, it feels, it, it's it's less Tarantino-y than a lot of his other films, and that there's not a lot of violence. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton of dialogue. It's shot much differently than. Is, a lot it, of well, he, he didn't write it. Yeah, I was gonna say, he is this his only adaptation? I think so. Up until whatever he's doing with Star Trek. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, it's a- adapted from Rum Punch, Elmore Leonard novel, and I love this about it while we're in 2017 obsessed with shared universes, Michael Keaton plays Ray Nicolette (laughs) and Universal Studios was adapting another Elmore Leonard novel, which has shared characters and they waited to see who Tarantino cast and then sort of underhandedly cast Michael Keaton as the same character from the same book series in a different studios movie. He, but he's uncredited. And I think Quentin Tarantino being a cool dude, like had to like, step in like no don't sue them that's really cool <laughs> it's really cool to have this two different studios with the same actor playing the same character in two movies in the span of a year and it was even though it's who cares it's, it's a character i don't know anything about but it's it's one of the first times you saw that happen and if you were if you love jackie brown and saw out of sight and that character from jackie brown shows up it was insane uh, out of sight, the Clooney and Lopez yeah, Soderbergh movie. I can't wait to talk about that one. I love Out of Sight. You got six months, but, but Jackie yeah. Brown, uh, yeah, just feels like a, a smaller, more subdued movie. Not a lot of characters. Um, well, no, I mean, there's a there's a decent amount of characters, but yeah. it's not like they go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it really feels like it takes place in the greater L.A. area. It's like they're constantly in, like, Crenshaw mm-hmm. and Downey and just this sort of bland ass places around Los Angeles. Which is the real Los Angeles. Which like is that's, the, the true Los Angeles. Yeah, but that, I always love when movies show that off where like, no, LA is flat. Like it's yeah. all strip malls. <laughs> that's yeah. the, like strip malls and palm trees and, and shitty motels. And uh, yeah. it's it's a fantastic performance from Sam Jackson in mm-hmm. the lead in a Tarantino movie, which he never really got to be again until Hateful Eight. Uh, De Niro playing the least De Niro actor character, but probably the most like 
the real De Niro, like kind of stone and mentally absent. Uh, for every every interview I've seen him in, where he, I don't give a fuck about saying anything you'll find entertaining <laughs> or funny. Go see Brazil. Yeah. I'm going to sit here and be quiet. That's good. That's Dude. good. For you. It's it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. So Bridget Fonda does great Bridget in Fonda uh, in a great role. Chris Tucker Chris in his Tucker only non Rush Hour role for years. Yep. Uh, it's very small and. He just wants Roscoe's chicken and waffles. The, the two biggest, and I think of this every time I see like a fictionalized, uh, like a fictionalized behind-the-scenes Hollywood movie where like this has-been actor is desperate for this part because it can help remake their career. Because that did happen with Jackie Brown with two people, Robert Faster Yay. and more importantly Pam Greer, two seventy huge seventies kind of B movie black exploitation stars that weren't household names that Tarantino cast as the de- definitive leads in his new movie and not knowing who they were made it like this feels unlike anything I've ever seen this is so cool who are these people and Pam Greer, Pam Greer how would you oh man I wasn't alive Pam, when she was Pam a big star Greer deserved she she deserved more leads mm-hmm. after this honestly and mm-hmm. you know she's got so like she's good in the Mars Attacks mm-hmm. you know she, she pops up here and there she made original gangsters with the uh, uh, what's his name anyway um, but she got to be a, she, she hadn't was, been in stuff in a long time yeah she she definitely hadn't been in stuff in a long time and yeah what what she did do back in the day you know Coffee mm-hmm. and Foxy Brown and Black Mama White Mama which is honestly <laughs> honestly like a good movie wow. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a convicts running around together uh, in the Filipino jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that title, it's great. But, I mean, she used to be, like, we didn't really have... She was kind of the only female action star, you know? Huh. Um, if you watch something like Foxy Brown, like, she does a lot of kicking ass. Yeah. You know, and it's always like she's got to stop some drug cartel because they're hurting her neighborhood or she's getting revenge on something. Shoot some honkies. She ends up having to shoot a couple honkies. There's probably a scene where she gets beaten and or raped and then she mm-hmm. starts fucking dudes and that's, up. There's a there's a she's caught. She's arrested in the airport smuggling. She doesn't know what drugs mm-hmm. or drug money for Sam Jackson's character. And he shows he bails her out. We meet bail bondsman uh, Robert Faster. Yep. And then Sam Jackson shows up. We see him killing anybody who's arrested yep. while being involved in the events. And she somehow knows he's in the apartment, gets a gun out, and puts <laughs> it right as a dick. And they have this awesome conversation where you just automatically assume Sam Jackson's not going to walk into this room unless she's dead. Mm. And she somehow talks him out of it. And it's such a great girl power yeah. scene. I fucking love it. I love that sequence. Yeah. And I love, I love her and Robert Forster together, especially because we don't really see, like middle-aged couples yeah. like get together like I mean, it's not super super romantic or anything but it's like there's a connection and they've got great chemistry yeah. and you can feel it and because it's an elmore leonard story there's gonna be tons of double crossing everyone yeah with some good switcheroo trick ending kind of thing and i love that shit same with you know get shorty or out of sight has a little bit of that it's like mm-hmm. yeah i love it when it's just get shorty's an elmore leonard adaptation too yes yeah yes. okay so yeah anything that's got lots of double crossing and mm-hmm. switcheroos in it makes me happy but this was on this was on every streaming platform for years. I look for it now and it's all gone. But fucking watch Jackie Brown for the first time or watch it again. It holds up way better than you think it is. I'd yeah. rather watch this than a lot of other Tarantino movies. For a long time yeah. it was the film nerd answer to what's your favorite Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. would people would just write away like Jackie Brown. And I feel like that's only really changed in the last like five years. Well it only really changed when he stopped waiting four years to make movies and yeah. keeps putting out weird and wonderful shit worth revisiting. Like after this, for a long time he just like every movie he made was like so wildly different in a new uh-huh. genre like Kill Bill he made two Kill Bill movies mm-hmm. and they're Kung Fu movies you can't compare them to, to Pulp Fiction but you can <laughs> say like you can say like oh but they're not Jackie Brown 
But since he's kind of gone back to that, that kind of even Django is more yeah, I wanna, in the mold of or Jackie Or maybe Brown. I want to watch a World War II set Jewish revenge film. Yeah, the Glorious yeah. Bastards. I'll check that out. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a different favorite Tarantino movie like every month. Yeah, you just have mm-hmm. to ask me. But this was. I just think this should be championed because it's yeah. much better than people give it credit for. I never hear anybody Amen. talking about it. And it brought Robert Faster back, star of Gator. Anybody ever seen Gator? <laughs> 1970s movie about a killer alligator. And he was, uh, I think, most recently notably seen in uh, the guy who hides Walter White at the end of Breaking Bad. Yep. Mr. White, you are the most high-profile client I have ever, ever. I, <laughs> I love that guy. I'd never, I'd yeah. never heard of him before. Quentin Tarantino put him as the star of his movie. Yeah, I'd never heard just, of Robert Faster before. He's just a jobbing actor, man. Mm-hmm. He'd just been sort of grinding away for... 30 years mm-hmm. at that point going back to I don't know Medium Cool going back to Reflections and Golden Eye which is an insane movie I mm-hmm. recommend Fuck. Medium Cool is so good Medium Cool is amazing yeah. well, so we gotta get out of the movies and get to some TV here oh my luckily God, it's terrible more. <laughs> <laughs> would you believe there are four films called I'll Be Home for Christmas no just four there's that's what I thought too I, and I even found a bunch of like episodes of TV and th- there are other things called that but there are only Wait, four when, like films when you're making a more like when you're making a creatively bankrupt film to capitalize and exploit the Christmas holidays, you can't think of what to call it. Steal the title of a song. Yeah, just, just pick do a it. random thing. Yeah, just do it. Uh, this is the second of four. I'll be home for Christmases. It uh, aired on CBS on the 23rd. It starred Jack Palance and Jillian and Robert Hayes, who's the guy from Airplane. What guy? Not Robert Stack? The... No, the main guy. Oh, no, the main, oh, the, the main I've dude from never, I was just... Thinking about Airplane, I've never seen that guy in anything else. The yeah. star of Airplane. It's like this. Very yeah, he's in like a couple other things, but it's mostly this. Uh, and the But the one I'll be home for Christmas, everyone knows, is the one with JTT, which is the very next year. And that's so with him waited, like, on a white cover in the Santa outfit? Yeah. And he's, he's like he's hitchhiking. Trying, he's trying to get home okay. to like be with his family, okay. and he's away for some... I think he's at college or I something. knew I was confused. 90s TV movie, but it seems interesting, where uh, the this woman, Sarah, who is... She's a, the veterinarian and also the part-time mayor of this small town. So it's kind of like Doc Hollywood, oh. where uh. like the town doesn't have a actual doctor uh-huh. uh so the town which for a small town like destroys the town like there's no one for us to go to without driving a million miles i guess uh so then she tries and she tries and coax uh this family member of hers uh to come and and be the doctor and like stay with them he's like he's a doc hollywood type he's like, ah. you know it's a dumb tv movie it that seems fun. Uh, but on the 24th... Merry Christmas, Extreme Dinosaurs. Extreme Dinosaurs ends after one season and 52 episodes. It's based on the 1996 toy line and was a spinoff of Street Sharks. And you will be able to tell that based on this clip we have. No matter how ridiculous you think this looks, it's even more ridiculous yeah. than that. It looks like street uh, sharks, but they're dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> it's just when they exactly put them in the vehicles, it looks so silly. They look like uh, like Diddy Kong. They look racing. like Diddy Kong racing. They're characters. like sticking out of it. And they're huge, but they're driving these little carts. Uh, All yeah. I can think about is the recording studio with that. <laughs> That, again, just sort of jobbing studio musician. I'm like, all right, Extreme Dinosaurs theme song, take two. <laughs> extreme! Extreme! Dinosaurs! And dinosaurs! And the backup singer's like, dinosaurs! This is interesting that you put well, this I'm going to save that for last. So okay. the, the, on the 25th, the first ever 24 Hours Whoa! of a Christmas Story wow. airs on TBS. I knew I remember not that not being a thing. 
Yeah. Oh, the def. Yeah, it's hit a certain point where this is you know much like um, like uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. This is what made it a classic. Is yeah. TV. Uh, Turner realizing like oh we can play the shit out of this movie. We don't have to program anything. And this is back before they were like the default movie channel. And this is all we do. Mm-hmm. All we play. Was it originally TNT, not TBS? I forget. No, I think it's TBS. Okay. It's it's, it's all Turner. But remember, it, this was at the yeah. time. This was a cheap movie, and they're like. Fuck trying to program shit for a day. Here's this cheap movie you probably haven't seen. And I, re- I can remember being at a friend's house and like, they just ran this movie. <laughs> Are they? Did someone made a mistake and we turned it? It's still going. I like the movie. It's still going. It was very weird to see that programming decision. Even though now I think TNT, like they used to advertise. We got uh, Iron Man, and we're going to play it three times back-to-back, so you can't miss it. Uh, but, yeah, see, I, I knew I remember. Oh, I knew it was within my lifetime somewhere. I just, I'm just, i glad you found the date. Yeah, I have many memories of, like, f- like laying on the couch, watching it, falling asleep, and, like, waking up, and, like, oh, did I fall asleep for, like, a second? Is this the same part? Totally. No, it's been, like, six hours. The only other experience I've had like that is, like, flying to Japan, and I tried to watch the awful movie Battleship. <laughs> and I fell asleep 90 times, but the way those movies, you, like, you go to a channel and that movie just runs constantly. So every time I wake up, I'm in a different scene of Battleship. <laughs> all, all, somehow was able to make sense of it. But we just did a commentary for a Christmas story. We did. Uh, Lasertime.bandcamp.com or become a patron at patreon.com slash Lasertime. Get that commentary as well as Jingle All the Way, which uh, we just did. Um, yes, two and, of Dave's favorite movies ever. And Mickey's Christmas. We are mostly listener-supported people, so we do mm-hmm. thank you for that. Uh, and then on the 28th, Starcade 1997, which the, Dave put this in here. I don't know. Sting's uh, I'll try, first wrestling match I'll in over try, a year. And make it as brief as I can because it's wonderfully significant. WCW was a long-existing rival wrestling brand to the big guy WWF at the time. Uh, then Turner decided to buy the wrestling organization. Ted Turner decided to buy the wrestling organization, put a ton of money behind it, put a lot of creative talent behind it, and they essentially created the biggest rival WWF had ever had and started buying its its star wrestlers. Mm. People, okay. I think the first... They, all of a sudden, all WWF's talent started popping up on this other channel, or on, on another channel, and they are, were even storyline things where someone would be on WWF on a pre-tape show, and then the next day would show up on WCW, and they never said WWF, but uh, the NWO started by two guys from WWF pretending to invade WCW, hmm. that they represented the old organization that's in story. That organization ended up being... Headed by Hulk Hogan, the NWO. Wrestling fans know what I'm talking about. Was this Hollywood Hulk Hogan? Yes. That's what, but so, but in that era, so what ended up happening is all these old wrestling stars went over to WCW and were winning the ratings for a while. But what that also meant is the lifers who stuck with WCW were getting overshadowed, and one of those was Sting. He had been he had been with the organization for as long as I remember it being a thing. I saw him wrestle in the '80s. He had bleach blonde, he had a beach guy look, sort of like Billy, like a buff Billy Idol. Uh, he, and he's now getting totally overshadowed by these insane storylines, WWF people, and there were a lot of people in the organization that like, any fucking loyalty here, man? Like, I've been here forever. Uh, and we, and so Sting basically had to change his character. So the Sting you know as the crow-looking guy with the face paint, that debuts right now, where he okay. essentially stops talking and becomes a different type of brooding hero and it was symbolic of WCW trying to take back, in story, trying to take back some of its heat from these WWF invaders. And it was, it's sort of like, Sting is uh, iconic and representative of WCW. Everything else mm-hmm. famous about it, they stole from WWE. He was always on the cover of the yes. games. Like, he, WCW, NWO. Sting 
it, he didn't. He was loyal to them for thirty years and didn't go over to WWF until like he was basically retired and, and literally goes to Comic Con to sell wrestling DLC at this point. <laughs> but he had never worked for WWF. He'd only worked <laughs> and stayed loyal to this company. Him and not really Ric Flair. But anyway, that, I, I'm probably not doing a good job of explaining it. But that's why it's significant because cool. it's it's something creative that WCW can lay claim to. Like you did invent this character. You didn't just steal your rival's characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, that Uh, and another big thing for me. Yes. This was huge for me too as well. Uh, This is the finale of season one of Johnny Bravo, which aired on the 22nd. Actually, mate, I found Mm -hmm. another thing that said it aired a week earlier. Mm -hmm. I found one that said 22nd. We're talking about it now. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't matter. Because Uh, I, I, when that debuted on what a cartoon that and Powerpuff Girls, like, these are awesome. I want yeah. to see a Johnny Bravo show, and it took forever. And when we finally got it, it it was missing something. And then I feel like it disappeared forever again. And is this why? Yeah, so season one aired. This show was created by a guy named Van Partible, mm-hmm. who uh, he created the pilot, which was about three guys who were all Elvis impersonators. Oh, And then when, he, oh, when Cartoon Network had to make the pilot mm-hmm. for uh, What a Cartoon, he consolidated into one dude who just acts like Elvis. And mm-hmm. they never mention Elvis, but he hoo hoo all that stuff. <laughs> they keep that. Uh, How you and, doing, mama? <laughs> yeah, Johnny Bravo, uh, one of the most formative shows for me growing mm-hmm. up, I think. It's just such a funny show. It's such an interesting uh, way to introduce kids to stupid, toxic masculinity. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a really good presentation of that because it's a guy who just doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, like, thinks chicks are cool. Uh, and he loves like working out and like and combing his hair. Handsome, but, clueless, and off-putting to women. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. le- like that's the thing. Like he's good-looking, he's in great shape, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to date him mm-hmm. because he's an idiot. And he learns every episode how to be different and better. I mean, that doesn't doesn't have an arc or anything because yeah. it's a cartoon for kids. But like uh-huh. he learns like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And like that's such a great lesson to show kids on a on a cartoon. So after season one ends, uh, goes on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't come back till ninety nine. So it takes two wow. years. And I remember this. Oh. I remember waiting for it to come back. Yeah, I felt like it, I, I was yeah. kind of disinterested at that point. Yeah. I'd forgotten all about cartoon it. Cartoon Network did that a lot. They yeah. would take their shows off, retool them, bring them back. Dexter's Lab did that. Mm-hmm. A, a bunch of their other shows did that. Where That's it, right. it, it got it got uncanceled or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would come back and look totally different. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they, they did eventually get Van Partible back. He mm-hmm. did not come back when the show came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first season, largely written by Van Partible uh, or largely directed by Van Partle as well, and also Butch Hartman and Seth MacFarlane. Wow. Where it's yeah. the first time I saw their names, and it's kind of the first time because they would do the title card of the name of the episode, mm-hmm. and then the all whole title card for written by mm-hmm. Seth MacFarlane or whoever, and I would start to recognize, like, oh, I see these same names a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when Family Guy came out, I was like, that's the Johnny Bravo guy. Uh, and while people shit on Seth MacFarlane, you forget, like, you know, he did the work. Like, he was a working animator for a really long time. He was the youngest showrunner of a network show yeah. of all time or something like that. Like, he worked really hard. And it's because his... his his uh, Boston-accented man and his talking dog pilot didn't get picked up by Cartoon Network. Yeah. So he got to work on this. Uh, which we talked about pretty recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but a So when you look at this show, a lot of seeds of what would become his brand mm. start in here, including uh, this first episode has three segments. One of them is uh, Under the Big Flop, which is like Johnny joining the circus or something. Mm-hmm. One of them is Johnny meets Donny Osmond, who will be a recurring <laughs> character, Donny wow. Osmond playing himself. <laughs> uh, and it's hilarious. That one was written by Seth MacFarlane. And the first short in here is uh, written by Butch and Seth called Johnny Bravo meets Adam West. Where he meets a cartoonified version of Adam West playing himself, like literally playing Adam West, who has a TV show on TV called The Adam West Show where he beats up bad guys. (laughs) And Johnny goes to meet Adam West, and Adam West is like, I'm not that guy, that's a TV show. And he keeps ripping his shirt because he's so ripped that all his clothes rip off because he's so muscular. And he's just always working out, which is why Johnny idolizes him. And we have a clip here of uh, him. Johnny's mom is missing because his mom said she'd be home at 6, and it's 6.01, and she's not home yet. So he's Mm got to go get Adam West to help him find her. 
Now, as I'm sure you know, Jenny... Johnny. Nick, as I'm sure you know, that's just a TV show. Oh, shoot. You wouldn't believe what I spend on tailoring. Anyway, as I said, it's just a TV show. Blast. <laughs> Hand me that shirt, would you? Thanks. However, Betty, wherever there's a life at stake, I have no qualms about getting tough. I knew you were the right guy to come to. All right, then. Let's go get your mama. Right. To the Adam West mobile. Shoot, that's it. That's great. That's so great. <laughs> I, I think Seth MacFarlane's resurrection of Adam West is one of the sweetest stories. Like, mm -hmm. he worked hard to get him that walk of fame. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're just in the show playing Adam West. That's all I care about. Yeah. And, and that's how a majority of younger people know him. And that's yeah. I love. I just love that they know Adam West for any reason because he rules. And this is before Look Well. This yeah. is before a lot of things. Yeah. Because like Adam West had made eventually a second career out of playing, just like William Shatner did, of playing, playing himself. himself. Yeah. But Seth MacFarlane did. He saved. He saved one of the like biggest stars of thirty years ago. Yeah. Who had done nothing in years. Yeah. Except play himself and show up at fucking car shows. Yeah. 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 That's what love Adam doing. West. He is one of my most depressing deaths of the year. Him and Tom mm. Petty. This I, year I, we oh. lost him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep, and that is it for television. I don't know how long we need to talk about it, but um, December 28th through the 22nd to the 28th of 97, the video games that came out, I believe, a port Mortal Kombat Mythology, the Sub Zero Adventures, where they try and take the pixelated fighting game and just take literally, literally take those assets and build a Streets of Rage Final Fight game out of it. It's they, awful. They still walk the same. They yep. still it sucks. Yep, and but the biggest deal is in Japan a little series called Gran Turismo launches. Oh. And it's just, that's essentially one of the best-selling games of all time. And it's one of the most impressive games released on that console. Mm -hmm. I it's star has diminished a little in my mind cuz I just don't want what Gran Turismo is good at and does, which is boring, boring car porn, and that's it. But at the time, it looked astonishing. Despite the PS1's resolution and processing power, we thought we were piloting and looking at real car like real cars, hundreds of them, more real cars than we've ever had in a game before. But Gran Turismo, that is, I know it's not a big deal to a lot, me and a lot of my friends, but it is a huge deal. It it made gamers out of people. Mm -hmm. Gran. Gran Turismo. It used to be that there were games about other things than a white guy climbing things. <laughs> a bald space marine. Yeah, but like those games were still also huge. Mm -hmm. Like other like nowadays every genre is a niche genre except for white guys climbing when, things. When everybody had to like go back to that period and look how every company started to make racing games to capture the thunder of Gran Turismo because mm -hmm. it was it was of Call of Duty levels. There is money to millions to be made for being mistaken. It became a package for Gran Turismo. It was the game they wanted you to play. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, and it, I think it's helped really, helped really move the PlayStation too. But we got to go out with some music across 110th Street by Bobby Womack. I want to. I'm down with that. Uh, but I was singing that while walking in, walking through Harlem uh, just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> the opening music, Jackie Brown. We will be back in 2007. People, stay with us. and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching 
And for December 22nd through 28th, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk, uh, let's talk World War II, actually. Um, 75 years ago this week, December 23rd, 1942, smack dab, I guess we'd call it the middle of the war, especially if you're in England, or Poland, or wherever. And, uh, it saw the release of David Lean and Noel Coward's In Which We Serve, which is a really, really good during-the-war propaganda, but also drama. Um, I'm kind of fascinated by British movies made during World War II, because there's some that are... Obviously, it's all propaganda, but the fact that they're not just like, yay, wave the flag, yay! You know, they'll have, I don't know, some kind of depressing stuff in it. They'll be pretty serious. It's good. So, uh, in which we serve is about um, a ship that is slowly sinking, and sort of flashbacks and thinking about uh, how how they got to this point, and how they all work together, and um, I think probably Noel Coward's best movie, honestly. Um, I totally recommend it. And then, uh, 40 years ago this week, on uh, Christmas Day, 1977, uh, unfortunately we lost Charlie Chaplin, he was 88, so, uh, you know what? Uh, because In Which We Serve is kind of a bummer to watch uh, Christmas with all your family and friends, and they'll be like, why are we watching this sad war movie, and it's black and white, and everyone's British and uptight, meh. Uh, you know, pop in some Charlie Chaplin, man. Uh, City Lights, Modern Times, I think Modern Times is my favorite, even At the Circus. The, those are, those are great. I mean, and even kids will like them if they can get over them. Eh, it's black and white and color and it you know, Game Boy with the Pokemons or whatever it is. I don't like kids, I don't know any, so... I don't know what they talk about. Snapchats, I guess, right? So, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, happy holidays, stay classic. Coming in with Rihanna, featuring me, you. I probably said his name wrong. Hate That I Love You by, uh, by Rihanna. Uh, although no one by Alicia Keys is still number one, in a, as Diana has said repeatedly. There ain't no new releases. Yeah, no new releases. For music. Uh, we're, we are right now in 2007, December 22nd through the 28th. And on December 23rd, oh my God, really? The first episode of Drunk History is uploaded. Awesome. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it's still going strong. It's got a TV show now. It, I always yeah. think it's going to wear out its welcome and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not like it. And it's mm-hmm. never not entertaining. I never seek it out, but every time it's on... I'm there the whole time. I always like to ask comedy fans this question. Do you have a story saved just in case you ever become friends with this guy and he asked you to be on the <laughs> uh, uh, I got a couple. Yeah. I got a couple what I could definitely tell? do. Oh, geez. Mine is uh, the formation of Nintendo. I would love Ooh. to do that as I talk about like Yakuza ties and what a you know jerk. <laughs> Probably was. the production of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, good. I was thinking. I mean, making of Citizen Kane is definitely one I could do just off the top of my head. I think mm-hmm. they did that. I think they did. I think Pat Oswalt. Yeah. No, he's in it, but I don't think he. I told think. It. Yeah, I think they've done it already. Oh, a couple other ones. Yeah. Uh, they did one of my big ones, Ub Iwerks. They yeah. Did, uh, oh, yeah. A great, great. Yeah. If, that's the episode I point people to. Also, because like Walt Disney was. A terrible evil man, but like <laughs> he was very nice to the people that were surrounding him, uh, nicer than some people think he was a lot of the times. And he but evil, <laughs> he he was an evil man, but he uh, he protected Al Works as much as he could. Mm-hmm. So like the the animosity between them existed, but wasn't what people often tell the story of than mm-hmm. it was. And uh, they tell it very well in that. 
Yeah, I don't think was iWorks wasn't super jaded over the idea that he wasn't getting credit for Mickey Mouse. Yeah, he he was an artist, and yeah. he also realized like I got a weird name, and uh, <laughs> a lot of people are getting blacklisted right yeah. now. So maybe you take some of the heat for that, Walt. I did just watch some of his cartoons of iWorks. Flip the Frog cartoons in the theater. Very racy. Oh, cool. You went to that? Yeah. Very, yeah. very crazy. Uh, they lured him away from Disney to make it. He made his own cartoon character, Flip the Frog, and there was no MPAA. So there weren't mm. technically rules of what you could and couldn't show. And that's about as racy as cartoons get. Some. The frog like, that, loves that cigars. Those are nipples. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. They did that in black and white cartoons. Had no yeah. idea. Oh, um, I know one. If they, if they let me get away from American history, uh, the, the life and death of Rasputin. Mm. I would oh, wow. love to do that one. Even just the death of Rasputin is Paul a great Shira's story. Rasputin? No, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> Christopher Gotta, Lloyd. Go with, <laughs> Gotta go with the Anastasia guy. They can't get him. Um, but yes, going into the movies, it's a huge, huge time for movies, this being Christmas Day. Do we... Happy holidays. We can we can't say Merry Christmas. We are covering the date of Christmas. Obama said yeah. we can't. No, when it's when it's actually Christmas, it's fine. Merry yeah. Christmas, right? I just say Happy Holidays not because I'm Jewish, but because I like New Year's being folded yeah. in. Yeah, and I don't want to do the guesswork, and I can start saying Happy Holidays like November twentieth. Yeah, it's great. I say Happy Honda Days. Happy Honda uh. Days uh, and a Merry to- Toyota Thon to you. A <laughs> uh, huge week for movies. Although you wouldn't know it, because apparently all you idiots are seeing Book of <laughs> Book of Secrets, National Treasure Two, because uh, it's number one at the box office. I never saw the movie, despite watching National Treasure One uh-huh. easily 10, 15 times yeah. with my friends. Well, Mount Rushmore was a cover up. What? This <laughs> dollar bill is trying to tell me something. Uh, man, some uh, man. Okay, Alien. We're sitting here taking in, taking just soaking in Disney owning these characters now. Aliens versus Predator Requiem. Yep. An infuriating movie by who is legitimately the worst director in the world, Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Just ruined, ruined this franchise. Mm-hmm. Aliens vs. Predator has been a franchise that has succeeded in every medium except the movies where they mm. were from where they've spawned. Comics, it's, video games. Yep. Everywhere. Fuck it yep. everywhere. It's worked every time except in these awful movies. Yep. Now, I... I've seen both Aliens versus Predator movie. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the first one, I respect what they're trying to do, but they fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, though, they go hard R. Yes, yeah, the R. That's why it's and, called Requiem. Like well, all yeah. the posters yeah. were like AVP R, and the R's in red to like let yeah. you know. And I appreciate that they go for it because yeah, I think the first one is PG-13, and so it's like, what the fuck are you even that, doing? I am immensely uncomfortable. This has some. Really disturbing stuff. In Doesn't it, the predator though. kill a bunch of babies? Yeah. No. They, <laughs> the 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 uh, no the aliens do. The aliens, oh, aliens. put the baby. It put put like the face hugger. They put babies into pregnant women Whoa. and like there's a mm. shot in like a maternity ward where like the lady is dead and you can see like shit moving inside her giant stomach and mm. it's like oh my god there's like an alien predator whatever like ripping apart a fetus in this movie. That's what I'm looking at right wow. now. I- well, happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Have a nice Requiem. Oh. I, I've never, I, I was so turned off by the first movie, I didn't see it. But I love that we've been bringing it up. I am immensely uncomfortable with Disney owning everything. Yeah. Yes. But when it's it bad. comes to people who are actually like, talking about neutering product, Fox is a shitty studio that was going to go under and it's been poorly led and it was going to be acquired by somebody. So the argument against it is not that they'll ruin franchises because every single Fox property that's R-rated and mattered they neutered and made a PG-13 one before there was ever going to be a... Die Hard does a ruined PG-13 version. Aliens, Predator, they all do. Fox did it first. And let's remember, Disney uh, technically 
released owns the company that released Pulp Fiction and Train Spotting, mm-hmm. uh, two very controversial yeah. movies at the time. And Fox uh, has not gotten better at making alien movies. And that, only that's gotten worse. That's my only hope for this. There is no reason that I cannot believe these franchises are not being addressed. They're being addressed everywhere else because everybody else is interested in doing something with Predator and Alien except Fox. No, no, Ridley Scott's going to do an alien thing. We just got to give him a four or five years wiggle room. Like, <laughs> Disney makes one Star Wars movie a year, you assholes. Get with it. Make a pipeline. Like, get started. Aliens, and there should be more Alien and Predator and Alien versus Predator stuff. Yeah. And I can't believe that now it's got the Disney pipeline. That's the one thing to get excited about beyond Wolverine showing up in your Avengers movie. But uh, I, I hate that this movie exists. I hate that it has an exclusive PSP game. Yeah. <laughs> I just love mentioning that. Um, but let's move into some other movies that we maybe have seen. None of these. Nope. Uh, the Water Horse, The Legend of the Deep, starring uh, Emily Watson. Nope. Uh, American Pie Presents Beta House. Nope. Uh, and have not, I have not seen the straight-to-video trilogy of American Pie movies. I've seen one of them. Really? The Naked uh, Mile? Yes, that's the one so I've you seen. You seem like a Naked Mile, man. There's not that much nudity in that movie. <laughs> like It's not what you're, what you're expecting. Uh, St. Trinian's? Yes. With Rupert Everett and Colin Firth? Uh, that is a classic uh, British series about a, an all-girls school yeah. uh, of like rebel young girls. And uh, this was their modern update to it, which I believe has had... Since then, there's been a sequel with uh, David Tennant in it? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. They've, they've made at least one more yeah up they probably the, kept the going rebooty ones yeah it's from like the long time ago yeah from these descriptions it sounds like something my girlfriend dreams about <laughs> Colin Firth and Rupert Everett in an all girls school whoop <laughs> whoop um Honey Dripper movie I've never heard of with Danny Glover and Keb Mo Keb Mo uh and one movie I have seen Persepolis mm, yes yeah. uh Persepolis one of the it, it had some distinction of being uh like the most expensive independent animated movie I think yeah, something um, like that. I, some, that. I forget what it was exactly, but a, but a great movie and totally worth watching. But the Iranian conflict, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. based on the comic book by Marjane and Seth Rappi, yeah. who also directed the film. Yep. Yeah, um, uh, and, I love this. Yeah, I mean, it's not just it's not just about Iran and politics. It's mm-hmm. also like a coming of age thing mm-hmm. and like a rebellion thing, and yeah, and it's just really in, the the way it's animated is very interesting. That's just it's very stark black white no real grays yeah. won the oscar yeah. i believe for an animated movie that year or did or it get was film? That, it was nominated it was, i know it was nominated, nominated. shrek um, something beat it i assume what was not nominated is the bucket list um bucket list with jack nicholson and morgan freeman nicholson's back again <laughs> I, this this is you're, you promise this is not about schmidt no you promise me promise okay it's not at all about schmidt okay thank god no kathy bates nude scene do you remember that blog that was called uh this had oscar buzz no, <laughs> the whole blog was just po- posting uh, posters of films. That's like how ridiculous is this at Oscar Buzz? And Bucket List was like one of the biggest things they put. Like this movie at Oscar Buzz, oh, and it sucked. No. It's just it's just weird because I don't know. We talk about this sometimes. It's depressing. I haven't seen Jack Nicholson in a while. Last time I did was at the SNL 40th, and he seemed to be mostly there, but very old. He's they were. Old. I mean, he's always got sunglasses on. You can just Bernie him anywhere. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, but, but how I, is Jack Nicholson I feel like, doing? I feel like this is, is it's not it's definitely not the first in sort of this modern wave of old guys do mm-hmm. embarrassing things movies. What was the one that just bombed? Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. What yeah. is it called? Like Last Chance or something? Right. Like yeah. That? Do They're it all again. called something like that. One yeah, more time. It's like, yeah. yeah I get, this one did pretty well at the box office, and I feel like ever since we got Last Vegas mm-hmm. and we got. Uh, Robert De Niro's Mean Grandpa. The and, final boner. Uh, it is very strange to see like. The, the real huge movie stars of my when I was a kid just mm. be forced into these weird old people roles 
Um, man, another. Oh, speaking of movies, I haven't seen The Great Debaters with Denzel Washington and Forrest Whit- Whitaker. I almost want to. Is is this Denzel's directorial debut or no, is like that was a second one? Fisher. Oh, you're right. Oh. You're right. Um, yeah. I, I just you, Denzel Washington doesn't make enough movies for me to have totally missed one. <laughs> I love Denzel Washington. I have never heard of this. It's a smaller, indier type thing. Yeah, he directed it. Okay, but the next movie. I want to go to bat for because we'll, we'll get out of the way of the big one that everyone's going to say, oh my God, go watch it again, go watch it again. Mm-hmm. The Orphanage yeah. is a fucking good movie. I've heard it's very scary. It I've is never seen it. very scary. Uh, I want to say produced by Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Very, right. very much like, say, Devil's Backbone kind mm-hmm. of movie that he's making. It is where it's a scary movie with not a lot of ass scares more of a scares it's a Tension. it's a tense creepy movie about yeah this lady uh her family they move into like this old orphanage that she was a kid at and then uh there's like spooky things going on and then her kid goes missing and then there's more spooky things going on and she tries to figure out what the hell happened like did her kid wander off was her kid abducted was it's really really well done Really good spooky movie. Kind of actually like the others. If you like the others, you would really like the orphanage. Okay. Uh, I I know someone who did like the movie. I'm gonna guess mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg because yeah. uh, the director J A Bayona mm-hmm. is the director of the Jurassic World Fallen mm-hmm. Kingdom film oh. uh, as well. So he got he got yeah, he got is, good work out of it. Yeah, it's a Spanish film. Yes, mm-hmm. it's. It's in Espanol, mm-hmm. but it's muy spooky. I, it got recommended a lot over Halloween as like an unsung yeah. modern horror film. Yeah, totally. And I really like it. I really like the score, too. I feel like I, I want to look into more of the what the guy did. The The guy who wrote the score has sort of like a John Williams-y feel to him mm-hmm. that I just really liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, man. But, all right. Uh, one Back of the, up. Here we go. The best movies of this entire decade yep. uh, is now, I cannot believe it's 10 years old. I cannot believe, this is one of the last movies I got, like, really obsessed over any information about. I, I, I could be coloring that because for some reason I was, I had been in San Francisco a year and, like, oh, there's going to be an advanced screening and Paul Thomas Anderson will be there at the Castro. Ooh. And I got, I somehow got tickets and went and, like, couldn't, be, one of my favorite directors ever is showing me for five dollars is showing me the new movie that won't be out for a month and speaking which by the way his speech says what consisted of this hey hope you like it and then walked off stage like he said one sentence i don't even know why he showed up uh but i think it was for chair it was a charity screening or something like that um but there will be blood story of daniel plainview an adaptation of a book called oil (laughs) exclamation point oil um man you can't. I did not trust myself to get clips from this because I think there's a part of me that would just play Daniel Plainview clips all. Every day. scene is perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect film. Yeah, and, and when that guy Daniel Day Lewis is like, "I'm retiring from acting," like I can kind of understand why. There, mm-hmm. I think they did that just leak out. They have behind the scenes footage of him like in character, in between takes, and it's like this is still really intense mm-hmm. yeah. to have to embody this kind of horrible person. Like the, his, it's his process. I think his process works every time he's on screen. Walk through a cardboard time machine to become Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln. I didn't see, I, I didn't, I didn't love Lincoln for some reason. The first 20 minutes, I haven't gone back to it, but no. this, no, this I movie don't. I've watched, I watched probably a dozen times when it came out on DVD. Mm. I haven't seen it in a few years, but I'm sure it holds up really well. It, but yes, it does. Really? It came in that stupid, 
uh, energy efficient cardboard case that every Did 2017 it really? or 20, 2007 like movies had, in. came in that. Yeah, Wally, the Futurama movies, which we'll talk about soon. Yeah, edible, it's like made of edible styrofoam. Thanks, <laughs> <Yeah>. Wally. <laughs> um, but there will be blood. I I don't know. Is it Daniel Day Lewis's best? Roll, would you call Man, it that? That's tough. That is a hell of. I feel like could we just do a whole laser time episode about that? Uh, yeah. And but I mean, we got to check each other for knives beforehand because that <laughs> could, that could get pretty rough. I feel like like so. There's so many. Uh, P.T. Anderson and D-Day, they were like they were known as like the auteurist auteurs in the world. Like they've been known for so long for doing all the movies they've done. But I feel like this was the point where they became like mainstream is it like the oscar conversation around this made it like the you know not caring about moviest people knew mm-hmm. daniel day lewis and pt anderson where it's like they didn't really like you know you didn't hear people like that talking about a lot of their movies before that mm, i don't know i mean they do seem like a match made in heaven mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. i mean i haven't seen phantom thread yet but i haven't either yet. oh man the second i saw I, yeah it's coming out, uh, it's coming out right on around now christmas day okay. yeah yeah, but honestly, I saw that, and I literally did crackling toast grom fingers. I was so happy. Like, oh, you've made a movie just yeah, for me. It, 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 it didn't seem like it was nominated for enough Academy Awards, but uh, what it won Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. And, that, like, it's nice when, yes, that's how it should have gone. Boy, yeah. That almost never happens. Well, this year was, like, the fight. Between, yeah. Like, it was not... Oh, because no country won. It's the movie. Picture. It is yeah. Marfa, Texas Throwdown, everybody. Two movies mattered. And they made them so. I think we talked about we it when did. we talked about No Country for Old Men that <laughs> they, they had to shut down production of one because smoke from an, the other production was going up behind it. Uh, but this movie is really great. I wanted to try and I just I, it was a really interesting portrait of a character. I don't think most people would bother to want to make a movie about right. Kind of this the worst man ever, awful misanthrope he's a, he's who has all his person. instincts are terrible and he's not even president. <laughs> uh, what, what am I saying? No, uh, but, but I, guess, I I love this slow look at this terrible person. Yeah, and just you like sometimes you can you understand his thinking, mm-hmm. like how he could have gotten to be this way, and sometimes you just don't. If yeah. I had one single complaint, mm-hmm. I feel like there is a time jump that's very abrupt. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I like where it goes to. Totally. But it does seem very sudden. Even to if me. it does steal its. Uh, it steals the ending of uh, Mr. Bur- Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1. <laughs> I drink from your milkshake. Like, it up! I'm do- trying to do Burns as Daniel Plainview. Not going to work, but I I like this. There's a really interesting character that pops up midway through the film, and it's Daniel Plainview's brother, whom he's mm. never met. And it's just like, the only time he tries to behave like a normal person, like, yep. maybe I will reveal myself to somebody. Maybe people are worth talking to. And having to... He never talks about himself or has really has a reason to mm-hmm. throughout the film, but this is a... Well, he talks about himself as far as, I'm an oil man. I'm an oil man. As yeah. much as I need to get what I need out of you. Yep. Train your way, resources and move after on. This movie, Drainage! After this movie, it becomes very hard to watch John Huston in anything. Because he's, he sounds a lot like John Huston. Yeah, I see that. I think he's, he's doing that on Gandalf purpose. from the animated Lord of the Rings movie? <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> Carry this ring into the volcano. <laughs> You an angry man, Henry? About what? Are you envious? Do you get envious? I don't think so, no. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I hate most people. 
That part of me is gone. Working and not succeeding. All my uh, failures has left me. Uh, I just don't care. Well, if it's in me, it's in you. There are times when I... I look at people and I see nothing worth liking. Such a horrible, a horrible mm. body to be inside. Yeah, <laughs> just the idea is like it's not enough for me to succeed. Others have yes. to fail. Others have to fail. That that's a terrifying sentence. Yes, it's something most people who try and achieve success try to ignore. The idea: if there's a winner, there's a loser. But yeah, Daniel Plainview wants it that way. Yeah. He does. Uh, and he's just, a ter- just make things. Don't worry about yeah. what anyone else is making. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. This is. is are you are you cheering me up now? Huh? That was, that was, is, <laughs> make I, things, Chris. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm I was back. hoping you would play uh, the clip with Paul F. Tompkins in it because it's hilarious that he's in this movie. It, it, it just, yep. Did he release? I think I saw him do live stand-up where he just told a 20-minute story about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's about was that released? Yeah, yeah, and on podcasts um, and stuff. I think yeah, it's on, on one of his on albums. How Did This Get Made? I think he's one of the first he's guests He's done on, on How Did This Get Made. He's talked about it. Oh, I was there, too. I was there, too. Okay. We talked I was about that ter- it. That's what I was thinking. Take, cut that out. I yeah, was that, there, too. Uh, it's a, that's such a funny story. Because he's like the first... He's like the first non-Daniel Day-Lewis character you see talk. And the story of why he's in the movie is like, well, I was I got cast in... Magnolia and he cut my part and he's like don't worry man I promise you I'll put you in my next film and he's like I don't know you and we're not friends and I cannot believe you <laughs> you stuck to your agreement because you had no reason to mm-hmm. and he shows up in Paul yeah, <laughs> yeah and and I think he's, uh, he's a man who can wear a suit obviously you gotta put yeah. him in yeah, I don't, but he puts me. him out of focus you can't see him yeah. or you see the back of his head and he yeah. says uh, we gain nothing by losing our heads yeah. <laughs> which, like, which is like a line he brought with him to be like I thought it sounded old timey <laughs> and it works sounds really good also you know everyone obviously talks about Daniel Day-Lewis in this mm-hmm. can we give a shout out to Johnny oh, yeah. Greenwood's score oh fuck yeah fuck oh yeah. my god Johnny mm-hmm. Greenwood a freaking radio head yeah. does the score and it is so it's not what you expect it to be, mm-hmm. and it works so freaking well. It would be my favorite Paul Dano performance, if not for Swiss Army Man, which was uh. one of my favorite movies of last year. And this was the year, this is the last thing I have to say about this movie, but uh, P.T. Anderson movies, he has a very Cohen-y thing. It's interesting they got paired together in this year because mm. they both make the movies that you have to, ex- like, you often ex- explain to, like, your parents, be like, this is a comedy and this is why and then uh. your parents are like you're weird and you're and you're scaring me right now and you're like no, no no Fargo's the funniest movie ever and I feel like P.T. Anderson makes those movies because he understands comedy which is why he gets guys like Paul F. Tompkins mm. and is married to Maya Rudolph yeah yeah yeah, you gotta have a good sense of humor. If yeah, you get Maya Rudolph. I don't the Master I. is the scariest, funniest movie. Like that movie's <laughs> hilarious, but you have to watch it like five times. Yeah, you'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable laughing at this. I'm not scared of it anymore. Yeah, like why didn't I laugh more when? Joaquin Phoenix drank paint and punched a dude in a photography studio. There was what an awful man. What, that is funny. God damn it. Uh, why wasn't I laughing more? Oh, that's a good clip. Uh, that is funny. God damn it. That should just be after. We should have that as a drop every time you like make a joke and you look at us and like, why aren't you laughing? Yeah. Drop. That is funny. Yes. Capture the moment of a struggling man trying his best. Oh, um, come on. But, but, but we can move on to television uh, December 28th to the. 
December 22nd through the 28th of 2007. Yes. Uh, probably a little light given it's Christmas time. It's, yeah. it's, there's a couple things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first thing I just want to mention real quick is uh, much like the thing we met, we mentioned off panel earlier. Mm-hmm. On the 23rd, Ashley Register wins the $1,720,000. Huh? Did I say Ooh. that number right? Yeah. Uh, jackpot. Uh, 1.7 million is how we'd say it's Yes. Uh, along with a bank total of $75,000 for a grand total of $1,795,000 on the ABC oh. game show Duel. Which, which I've never heard of. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody has. It's huh. a confusing... It's the one where you drive away from the truck. They're coming <laughs> to get you. Uh, Every mile you get a dollar. Steven yeah. Spielberg's game show. You toss out a lot of obscure Steven Spielberg stuff. So, uh, yeah. um, that movie fucking rules. She, it is, you're right. She's the second female contestant on a on a game show to win over a million dollars. And she, I believe, yeah, she sets the record for the highest amount of money won by a woman on a game show. But only a woman? Yeah. Like a, a man has one more? Men have one more. Uh, I mean, women only, women only get, get 70%, yeah, 70% of, what, of what a man wants. Well, won. yeah, and like, who wants to be a millionaire was like just this giant lie anyway. You, you have a chance at a million dollars, which we won't give you a million dollars even if you get to the grand yeah, prize, but like almost nobody got to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this and is this yeah, is almost you, two million dollars. Yeah, you yeah. lose half in taxes, guaranteed. Yeah, okay. That's a lot. Well, of money. maybe not now. I mean, maybe they just give you more money. They like mm. bleed a dead. Uh, <laughs> they bleed a poor person <laughs> and sell the plasma and give you more money. That's the new tax plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the twenty third, Elmo's Christmas Countdown aired, which just looks like a silly, dumb Sesame Street thing. But I want there's a special guest that I want us to see. Oh boy. There's a miracle on Sesame Street this holiday season. Christmas is the most magical time of year. Elmo, Abby Cadabby, and Stiller the Elf are <laughs> counting down to Christmas in the all-new Elmo's Christmas Countdown. <laughs> Stiller the Elf, Ben Stiller as a Muppet. Wow, he has his oh, own Muppet. Okay. I'm jealous if everybody has their own Muppet. Ben Stiller's a Muppet. God, I love yeah. when they uh, have a white guy Muppet and they just make him a Simpson <laughs> Jello. Simpson Jello. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elmo is a character I love. But I, ne- I didn't experience. Um, mm. I, I, I was writing about that with... Oh, uh, uh, Muppet Family Christmas. Uh, they not only have Fraggles, they have Sesame Street characters in that. Elmo is... In, it's uh, so odd to see Elmo in that special, but he's not Elmo yet. Yeah, he's just like a, he's, just a Muppet. He's called Red mm. Monster, and he's not voiced by Kevin Clash, and he oh. does almost nothing, but he's kind of playing the little kid around the Christmas tree, but he's not Elmo yet. It's mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah, um, there are tons of stories of, like, we had that puppet sitting around, and, like, everyone who works here picked that, picked that puppet up, did not know what to do with it, and one day, one day Kevin Clash picked it up and, like, started doing the voice and the laugh, and we were like, billions of dollars! <laughs> <laughs> um, but, oh my god, and uh, on Boxing Day, just yes. in time for Boxing Day, we have Yay. a premiere for Transformers fans. Transformers Animated, which was the Cartoon Network-produced Transformers show. I, uh, like I thought that title was missing a word. It's just called Transformers it's called animated. Transformers animated. Is that it was, because what? we have a live action movie and they have to? They feel like they need to make the distinction. Probably it was. Wow. It had kind of an X Men Evolution thing where you like you could tell it was a little inspired by mm-hmm. the movie uh, feeling, mm-hmm. but it was very good. It went for three huh. seasons of only forty two episodes, which shows you that they cared. Like they yeah. they wanted a story. They wanted to have real characters. It was pretty anime influenced, but it was that American two thousands anime that mm. like doesn't look like American cartoons or Japanese cartoons. It mm. has its own. You know, mishmash feel between the two of them, uh, but it was a fun show, and they wanted to. They took the adapted. It was a lot like the story of the of the '80s Marvel comics, mm-hmm. but for a modern sensibility, and and it just worked and was fun. But one of the best parts about it is uh, they cast Weird Al as Rectgar. I am Rectgar. I dare to be stupid. Whoa! What a reference. Do you know why that? Hell yeah! They did that reference. That, that Weird Al's 1986 album "Dare to Be Stupid" is 
I think my third album I ever owned. I loved it, mm-hmm. and this is like the mid '90s. I, again, I can't imagine what my parents thought of me listening to that shit. And that song all day, was every played day. in Transformers the movie. Transformers, it's ah. Transformers the movie. Unironically, during the with the bucky buck buck wub dub guys, I hate that. That was Retgar. Yeah. So oh, it they, was. Yeah. So they made they they were like this makes sense on a, in a weird ten step way. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, and, and I love the song in Video Dare to Be Stupid. It's fan, it's mm-hmm. a, this wonderful yeah. encapsulation of the weirder part of eighties music mm-hmm. uh, that Weird Al did. And like it's you forget it's a Devo thing. It's yeah. Its own yep. thing. Yeah. Um. And well, and then uh, on the twenty second. So this is during that time which we are experiencing right now as well as SNL is just airing like clip packages. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in I, that. I slot. wish they did more of it. I, w- I love it. Oh, yeah. every time. They did a Thanksgiving one this year, and it's just all the best Thanksgiving sketches. Um, and they did one called SNL Goes Commercials. They also had a Christmas one, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to feature this one because it has one of my favorite sketches in SNL history, which I referenced earlier. Trust. An important part of building a family. And an important part of planning his future. That's why I rely on Dylan Edwards and Company. For nearly a century, investors on Wall Street have trusted Dylan Edwards with their financial future. And now all the resources of America's oldest investment firm are available online. Dylan Edwards on the internet at www.clownpenis.fart. <laughs> a lot of investment companies rushed onto the internet, but Dylan Edwards took their time. Sure, when they were ready, there was only one web address left. But it's one you can count on. For mutual funds. Clownpenis.fart. Online brokerage. Clownpenis.fart. Retirement and tuition planning. Clownpenis.fart. The people you trust. At clownpenis.fart. I'm so glad I could not play all of that. I love yeah. that commercial. That sketch was from 1999. But it's like, like my it. default shorthand for shitty URL is yeah. always clownpenis.fart. Disney.go.com because they uh, bought go.com. Thought yeah. it would be a deal. It, it, dude, it's still in their URL. Yeah, it's like, still dude, there. It's, it's still in ESPN's URLs. I cannot believe it. They, uh, paid, they paid millions for go.com. And nobody cares anymore. Yes, yeah. they, because they depended on America. Well, Depending on Americans not being able to spell, but didn't predict autofill. Mm. Uh, but the big thing uh, that Dave put in here, I guess we missed it last month, is mm. uh, on November 27th, Bender's Big Score came out, Ooh. which was the return of Futurama. Oh, is, is it the first one? It's yes, the first, it's the first one, movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's the movie. It's They did this thing where they basically made a season out of three episode arcs that were made into movies. That did not work. It they were, were all it, bad. It was a real dissatisfying. Yeah, I don't think they were all bad. Well, it, it's a movie. Some of it them were okay. It was a real dissatisfying well, Yeah, experience. that's the thing is you'd get, like, I thought they would be making movies. They told us they were making movies it's and just they were three lying. episodes with a very vague. Very this one thread. feels the most like a movie because mm. characters carry over uh, the uh, plot with the aliens uh, that come and take. The uh, not John Lovett's aliens. <laughs> come and take yeah. over. No, I think uh, this, this and Beast with a Thousand Backs, I think, mm-hmm. uh, are pretty good. The Bender's Game, not as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And what's the, the the fourth one? I'm blanking on. Um, I can't yeah. remember. But a Dope Shaft reference. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah but, uh, you, you know, it's one that you can watch it as a movie, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Or you this can is watch the best it, one of them. If you watch it as episodes, it's okay. That, but that's the thing. I think I've seen these episodes and not thought. Yeah. Not had a negative opinion at all, but like they told us this was a movie. It's a weird, jarring movie because it's just mm. three episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I made this prediction, on, or I'll make it on an upcoming Talking Simpsons. Uh, Sci-Fi just won, got the rights to Futurama. Yep. And have done like numerous 24-hour marathons and are really... I have a feeling we have not seen the end of Futurama and we have new episodes on the way very, very soon. Because mm. it, 
it's a really good fit for sci-fi and I know yeah. I haven't tuned in that fucking channel since Battlestar Galactica was cancelled <laughs> uh, so I, I hope to see more future I'm just making that positive prediction optimism in 2018 people mm. we will get new Futuramas the cast still likes each other people love these characters Chris Hardwick's yeah. there now that shows great there is one new episode on a, on a podcast it's not it's pretty fucking great mm-hmm. I really liked it uh, but Bender's big score it's, it's yeah the return would you call it the second return because there's one episode buried in an Xbox game and yeah. PS2 game. It also had one of those weird... Every Fox show has been canceled multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like Futurama, during its original season run, mm-hmm. also got canceled at mm-hmm. a certain point and brought back. Because uh, baseball destroyed it. Fuck baseball. Yeah. yeah. but uh, And this would later on uh, air on Comedy Central. But it was released as a DVD in one of those dumb cardboard packages. Mm. Uh, but I bought it because it was Futurama and I was excited. And I, I did like it at the time. And, and I do think it's the best one. But I think as a whole, that mm. that whole enterprise didn't pan out. Because the DVD, are, are t- that's technically one season of the show, right? It's like mm-hmm. four... Yeah, they put all the yeah. movies together into one season. Yeah, okay. Uh, but... Yeah, but this is sort of them testing the waters of, can we bring Futurama back? Let's let's bring this back and, and see if it, it sells and see how it does. It and, feels so yeah. antiquated. The show was canceled, and it's like... Well, what network would pick up a canceled show and start making it again? It, it failed. <laughs> but you're... They had to do something because I remember at the time Adult Swim was run. I'm sure we said this in another show, but Adult Swim was rerunning Family Guy and Futurama, both canceled shows that then started to beat out all of the late night competition. Yeah. They were beating Letterman, Leno, and Kimmel in their time slot and their reruns of canceled shows, and they both went back into production. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. gl- it's a glorious thing because so, I love those things from the beginning, and I was so glad it happened. The I think this is post the Comedy Central deal, wasn't that? No, the, that, was that, that didn't happen that yet at all. Year? Like they, right. they, that's because that's what I'm talking about. They saw there was money in making new episodes of Futurama, but getting a network on board to pay for it didn't exist. So they had to make yeah. well, DVDs are popular. We'll put it on DVD. You shouldn't yeah. need. There's there's at least four avenues I could think of who should be more interested in making Futurama right now. Okay. Looking at you, Netflix. Then it must have been this year because there was a... When that deal happened, mm-hmm. when it went from Adult Swim to Comedy Central, mm-hmm. Adult Swim's deal ran out at midnight on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So we had a, we had a New Year's party and at 11.30, it end, the party shut down because we got in front of the TV and we watched, <laughs> we watched uh, the Devil's Hands or Idol Play Things, uh-huh. uh, nice. the last episode on, on Adult Swim, and then flipped over to Comedy Central and watched Space Pilot 3000. No shit. Like, uh, That's like, how it yeah, went. Yeah, it went. They, Holy and they, shit. Like, I think they like had a deal together. I think they were like, this will be cool if we do this because it's all... Huh. It's all uh, uh, Viacom, so I no. think they, is is Comedy Central not Viacom? Uh, it is, but uh, oh, Cartoon Network, Cartoon not. Network is yeah. Warner, but they still had a little like it was like a little fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was one of the last exciting things I did with appointment television. Huh? Wow, I, I, that's cute. Uh, God bless Thanks. you. It must have been. It must have been this New Year's Eve because I was not in New Jersey the next New Year's Eve, so I. Maybe I was. I don't know. Who knows? Mm, but, uh, you know, that's a good segue into games. Futurama had a game. Has a mobile game. Uh, but uh, games of 2007. Who the fuck is releasing a game after Christmas? Mm. Only THQ wading into the waters of digital downloads. We'll be around forever. Yeah. Uh, and, well, this is one of the things that kept them alive for so long as a company. THQ, toy headquarters, as I'm sure many of our <laughs> listeners know them as. Uh, wrestling, baseball, and SpongeBob. They had a ton of SpongeBob games. And they used SpongeBob the Trojan Horse itself into Xbox Live Arcade with SpongeBob SquarePants Underpants Slam. Perhaps you played it. <laughs> I've never heard of it until this moment. Is it like a fighting game? Uh, don't know. Maybe. No idea. Probably like a Smash Brothers ripoff. Uh, you that. tell me, listeners. Uh, 3020.10.net. Uh, <laughs> check those comments. I have no idea if it's any good, but there are pr- decent. It was like kind of the last cartoon getting big budget 
video games, that's kind of fallen out of fashion. You get a mobile app or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but SpongeBob had some really cool next gen, current gen games during this period. Yeah. Uh, but that is it for us, folks. Leave a comment. We uh, we occasionally do a show that's all about comments. It's got a little bugaboo over the holidays, but uh, we should be back up and running in the new year with uh, bonus episodes on patreon.com slash laser time. We have a bunch of bonus stuff for you throughout that break for those of us who support us at just $5. We do appreciate your support very, very much. Uh, we would not be able to do it without our kind, kind listeners. So thank you. Uh, you can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com. We have a Monday show that's sort of like this, but topic-based instead of date-based. Uh, we talked about, if it's still Christmas when you're hearing this, we did two fantastic Christmas specials, one with Diana Goodman, hey. where we talked... <laughs> Who's not the biggest Christmas fan, but alternative Christmases, right? Yeah. You can be down with that. I can be down. Star Wars Life Day. Oh, yeah. Ludacrismas from 30 Rock. <laughs> uh, Futurama's straight up just Xmas. Uh, oh, we did a Love whole show Xmas. about that, and as well as crappy Christmas special sequels that you've never heard of, oh, including... some of those sounded so bad. Including the Avengers of the Rankin-Bash universe that somehow got a theatrical premiere before quietly disappearing. Ugh. That's right. I'll tell you what that is on that show. Uh, we also do Talking Simpsons. If you feel like we don't talk about The Simpsons enough, that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but you can, there's a whole show chronologically breaking down uh, The Simpsons. We are about to end season six with a bang. Who Shot Mr. Burns? Just an unbelievable episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that out every single Wednesday. And Video Game Apocalypse, hosted by Michael Rapar's Mr. Diana McGoodman. Um, uh, a, a weekly, a Friday video game show, talking about new releases, news, and of course some old stuff that we know and love very well. Uh, anything else I'm missing, Matt? YouTube.com slash laser time. There you go. Click on that little bell. You'll find out every time we put something up. A lot of the stuff we stream and show you is, you know, pop culture and 302010 related specifically. I think the biggest thing you folks checked out was Jackass the Game. We streamed it on its 10-year <laughs> anniversary, which we wouldn't have known yeah. about if not for researching this show. We're playing through Disneyland Adventures uh, as well. It's a horrible yeah. idea that I'm, I'm happy to do. It's not, it's not, <laughs> a, not a great game, but it's an interesting recreation of Disneyland, which we've mentioned several times yep. this episode. And every episode we record of anything ever because I mean, you and I are in a room together. As of right now, there's no way to... It feels like there should be some VR thing where you can experience Disneyland in any decade. But for right now, there's a perfect, near-perfect 1-1 recreation of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. From 2012, meaning they they did not have the license to Star Wars at that point. They Star Wars is a closed building. <laughs> it's just it's an empty space with like perfect framing for where a Star Wars logo should be. Yeah, the signs. That's there. just stars Aww. and lasers. It's and it, the game came out like months months before the mm. Disney acquisition of Star of Lucasfilm. <laughs> and uh, I think you mentioned our commentaries mm-hmm. uh, that we've been doing for Christmas. Yeah, baby. Jean- I, I'll, I'll throw you under the bus. I'm what? trying to convince Chris to do more of them. Let us know if you want us to do more of those than we've been doing. And by the time you do it, it'll be too late. I'll be dead. I don't mean for this. <laughs> I mean, in general. <laughs> and wish me luck back in Florida, people. But have yourself a Merry Christmas. Uh, Diana, any plugs to get out there? Uh, no, not really. No. Just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to be... Just hanging out, quiet. It's it's a quiet Diana Ween this year, <laughs> where I get to take the week. I I take Christmas off, which means it's pretty much two weeks of peace and quiet, and like three or four movies a day. Just if, fucking binging, baby. If I remember to find it, I will totally watch Raiders with you from the other side of the country. All right, and we can have a tweetathon. Hells yeah! As long as my parents still have that DVD, I know yep. I didn't throw it away. Yep, that's my tradition. I think the traditions might have started uh, 
Christmas 97, somewhere around oh. there. So this could be 20 years of me watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, realizing it's a perfect Christmas movie for Jews. That's awesome. I'll probably I'll, <laughs> I'll probably do that too. I, I We've talked about what an Indiana Jones fan I am on this podcast. Yeah, I ha- it, it just occurred to me when I found my Blu-ray set, like, I haven't watched this in years. I, I, this is the longest I've ever gone without watching an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, And mm-hmm. I knew that because the times they are a change in. When I first got here, I had a buddy who worked at Lucasfilm. I got in to see the wonderful... Uh, beyond reproach kingdom of the crystal skull and then they they whisked us over to another giant building that had every prop from the movie in it and a bunch of lucasfilm stuff and i was my mind was blown and to symbolize the times there are changing uh lucas arts is closed and uh that building was torn down and it it does no longer exists i'm so old anyway let's get out of here we got to talk about what first diana Deaths and births. Deaths and births. All right, so let's do the deaths, and we'll do our birthday quiz. Uh, 1997. This whole episode, I only found one death, but it is a big one for me. Toshiro Mifune was 77. He passed away in 1997. Who would that be? On Christmas Eve. Uh, that is the the star of every awesome samurai movie ever. Ah, Seven okay. Samurai. He's the crazy guy. Yeah. Seven yep. Samurai. Seven Samurai. He's the, the bandit in Rashomon. Mm-hmm. He's uh, Han Solo in Hidden Fortress. Um <laughs> He was fucking hardcore. He was in even even in 1941. Let's bring it all around and mention huh. 1941 before. There's him. a recent documentary about him. Did he die on yeah. Christmas? Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve. Christmas yeah. 24th. Huh. Well, yeah. get in your predictions for which celebrity is going to tragically die on Christmas this year. We have oh, Princess man. Leia last year, followed quickly by her mother. Did, I'm predicting uh, Willie Nelson. Michael around Christmas? Yeah, yes. Was it? Yeah. It was. I'm yep. saying Willie Nelson this year. No! Yep, no sorry. Don't I, say I don't that. make the rules. I do not make the rules. Yeah. It's just, so, it's, man, if you have not seen Toshiro Mifune in something fucking go for it mm. i finally saw uh the bad sleep well which is his uh kurosawa's like hamlet and it took mm. me like half the movie to realize i was looking at toshiro mifune because he was wearing a suit and he's like clean shaven and he's not like stabbing <laughs> people and oh throne of blood that's his Macbeth. ah yeah. yes oh mifune is so good not um and as always we close out with our birthday quiz oh, oh birthday is a doodle birthday yeah. quiz who was born this week all right I'm not giving you a date. I'm just going to start naming movies. Okay. You ready? Princess Diaries 2, Phineas and Ferb, Chuck, Big Hero 6, Toxic Avenger 4, Zach Levi, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The uh, the Avengers, Iron Man 3, Stanley! Oh my god! Stanley! (laughs) Happy birthday, Stanley! (laughs) Stanley will be 95 on December 28th. He's in Princess Diaries 2? He is! I don't know why. Book of Shadows? They love my cameos. <laughs> uh, they love my cameos in the movies. Uh, please survive this Christmas, Stanley. I can't Yay. take this right now. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Find out more at lasertimepodcast.com, 302010.net, or maybe tell a friend uh, about the show. It'd be nice to spread the word a little bit. Maybe you can get us that for Christmas, if not your patronage at patreon.com slash lasertime. Closing us out. What the hell? Is there a reason for this? Finger 11? With Paraly- Paralyzer. It's another song that was on the charts in 2007. All right, there weren't. If you could play something from There Will Be Blood, if you want, I mean, come on. Nah, nah, we'll give the Finger Eleven fans something. Finger Eleven fans, are you out there? Let us know. Lasertimepodcast.com. We are out of here. Thank you. 